<laughs> Welcome to the Electronic Gaming Mostly podcast. Oh, the get Night that theme Terror. Song. The theme song happens in post. I'm the Gabbler, and welcome to Electronic Gaming Mostly. In today's news... <laughs> well, we got uh, Rage 2 and Game of Thrones. Verge. That's kind of it. <clears throat> mm. That's kind of it. Trip. Trip. First and foremost, I don't understand all the fucking hate towards Rage 2. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I've never seen a good game get so shit on. I'm telling for you, no it, good this, reason. This so it's it started happening with the regression, and it's moving ever forward towards this idea of just outrage for the sake of outrage. We've hit peak retardation in the gaming community, and I don't mean like gamers. Okay, like here's a good uh, concept: if you're if you play video games and you know what Gamergate is, uh, and you kind of err on the side of the Gamergate people that believe that there was an ethnic, uh, an ethnic, an, an oh. ethics thing, sorry, an ethics problem in, uh, what do you call it? A thing in, in journalism and shit, then you're probably what I would consider a gamer pre 2010. Okay. You're probably, you've probably been involved with games for a long time and been a part of the internet for a long time and you know what a good game looks like okay yeah and you've uh, been through, hint, it's not Fortnite. you've been just saying you've been through times where well those kids don't give a <clears> fuck <throat> let me tell you something the, the kids playing Fortnite do not pay attention to any of this shit i know i have nephews and nieces and they play Fortnite, and i know and i've watched them play Fortnite, and it's baffling i've sat there waiting for game of thrones come on watching my brother's kids play Fortnite, and watch as they're in the middle of a game playing around on one side of the map in one of the fucking little hamster balls that you can get in now just driving around spinning around on trees having a good time and then oh the circle's coming in i guess we got to move to the middle and then they get to the middle and there's like 50 other people there in the middle and like one guy taking it serious killing everybody and it's, and they might get one or two kills, tops, just fucking around. For them, it's not about chicken dinner. For them, it's not about hunting motherfuckers down and killing them. It's about, ooh, it's a fun game. Woo, look what I'm doing. They, they don't follow fucking news. They don't listen to podcasts like this. They don't read Game Informer. Big mistake, by the way. <laughs> they, they don't follow anything like that. If so you're, if you're conflicted out, about any of your opinions, um, you should just listen to our podcast and get them from here instead because we're right. So when a game comes out for them, it's, it's all about what other kids are talking about. And Fortnite happens to be free. So when they go to school and their friends are talking about Fortnite, they can go home and download Fortnite. And it doesn't matter what their mommy's checkbook looks like. You know, that, that well, is to a be fair. You know, what else delivery. is free is not playing Fortnite. Right. But not playing Fortnite <laughs> is not what their friends are talking about. You know what kids are like as soon as not kids anymore. Not it's anymore. always like that with kids. Kids are all about whatever their friends or other kids are talking about that's the cool thing to do and they all want to be involved with the cool thing to do because they're fucking retarded okay uh and then here's the problem though so if you err on that side that i was talking about and i don't want any, any of you sjw fucks out there that are already dismissing shit just shut the fuck up and listen for a second okay they're not listening to this podcast there are they gave plenty up on of episode people one. Okay, 
there are plenty of people, just like the Charlottesville thing, there are plenty of people <clears throat> where you can have a group of people who are pieces of shit, and then you can have people who are also walking next to those people that, that want their message heard, and their mentality is, I'm not going to be pushed away or bullied away by the pieces of shit that are next to me and not have my message heard. This idea that I should just go home and let only these pieces of shit be the ones that say something, you know, you have... You have people that really believe that Gamergate was about ethics and germ journalism. And that's what it started as. That's exactly what it fucking started as. Yes, it may have, you may have had incels come out and talk shit about some of the girls. Like, that's how it works, man. You have people that come out with a genuine, good, legitimate argument and, and shit like that. And then you get people that come on and co opt it immediately and start pushing their fucking agenda, which for some of these fucking idiots was, Whamming, no whamming in video games because some people are, most people are dense motherfuckers. Most people can't see beyond their fucking breath. Okay. So they, they just, everything's black and white to them, right? Charlottesville was Nazis versus Antifa. There weren't people there protesting, taking down the fucking, you know, statue. There weren't people on the, on the same, on the opposite side who were just there that, you know, might have, had different ideas about the statue, just wanted to talk about it or something. That doesn't exist, right? It's just black and white. Those people are fucking dense as fuck and they exist everywhere and they come into conversations all the time, right? People can have a conversation like Game of Thrones. Oh, Danny's been evil the whole time. Look at all these bad things she's done. Uh, she's not really evil, I would say. I mean, I guess that was a poor choice of words. She's more like misguided and misunderstood to some degree. She's a little bit misunderstood, but at the same time, she's misguided as well. Like, She's always kind of been a child. Even in the books, she's written as a child. And in the show, she has childlike ideas and stuff like, it's mine because, you know. And then other people come in like, yeah, Danny's always been evil. Well, that's not what I was saying. I wasn't saying she's completely evil. And then that brings in the other people like, she's not evil. She's been good up until this point, blah, blah. And then it just gets fucking derailed by the morons who's, it just gets derailed into like, it's like going to fucking Alaska and then, standing on a fucking uh, like fucking floating by an iceberg on your ship and seeing otters out there that's what it's like there's there's no sense being made it's just fucking arfing morons back and forth and the people who were trying to have a conversation just had just leave they leave and go somewhere else that's how it always happens that's how subreddits die that's how it always happens okay and then there's the other person the other person in gaming is the person that errs on the side of, I wasn't there for it. I, I, I wasn't there for Gamergate. I don't really care about Gamergate. I'm kind of new to video games, you know, or maybe I was around but didn't really pay attention to it. These people are what I like to call the moderate gamers. They just shut up and play games. They don't give a fuck about opinions. They just shut up and play games, okay? This, this is the majority of people. Then you have the opposite of the, the pro Gamergate guys, the guys that know who Gamer, what Gamergate was, and they think it was all about a ha sexual harassment campaign against poor, delicate women, right? Because it's they're not the sexists who think that women need to be protected and coddled. It's the other guys who are treating them equal, like pieces of shit. Right? It's the other guys that are saying treating them like they treat their buddies and shit like that, calling them douchebags when they're being douchebags and etc. Those people are the ones that get up in arms about every single fucking game release and they love it. It like fuels them and gives them dopamine. It like triggers their fucking dopamine in their brain to make them feel good. Like 
yeah, let's get together. These are these are the kind of loser people that feel like they need to be in a group to belong. You know these fucking people. It's the same people that are like, eek, wow, classic is about community. It's like, shut the fuck up, okay? Oh, yeah, we can talk about that, too. See, it's this problem where they want to just join with people. That's all. They don't have a real opinion. They probably didn't even play the fucking game. Well, hey, there's this article as as from metro.co.uk about Rage 2, and the first line is, I'll admit I didn't play Rage 2. And their whole reasoning for not playing it is that it didn't do anything new or unique. Why it's are like, you writing a review on it then? Well, why do you? Why, not every game needs to be new and unique. <laughs> Doom was not new or unique, but it was great. And Rage 2 plays right. a lot like Doom, only you can ADS. But what it, for what it is... It's great. Yeah, the open world could be a little more fleshed out because I I think I've been playing it for 31 hours and I'm pretty much done. There's no new game plus. There's a few things you can do after you beat the game and do everything, but it's mostly just kind of small repeatable quests and bounties and stuff. But well, listen, the gameplay is fun. Like this yeah, isn't absolutely. a fucking story-based game. It's not a multiplayer game. It's a game where you're supposed to go around and fuck shit up, and the story is there to give you a little bit of motivation whatever, to do that. Because they're not going to put out a non-story-based game. So, you know, speaking it, of that, the, not the every combat is, is well amazing. It's so yeah. much fun to go in. Like, every time I go in and wipe out a whole fucking bandit den, the only thing I wish is that there was more fucking bandits to kill. You know, like, I just want it, I want it to keep going. Right. Because you start out pretty OP, and then you end the game fucking god tier. It, so, it's it's pretty uh pretty insane. People are saying that they they have issues and graphical issues, and I haven't yeah, had I've any had a of couple that. Crashes, people, whatever. That's individual problems, though. Yeah, but, or people are saying that the graphics are bad. Shit. Like the graphics are not bad at all. They're pretty damn good. It runs on the Vulcan API and a modified Intex Six engine. It looks here's the thing that like PC if gamers. Doom, if Doom had more varied environments and it wasn't like all either on the surface of Mars or inside some kind of, you know, scientific right. complex, that's what it would look like. And it looks really good. And some areas are dark, but it never really gets in the way of your gameplay. The areas that are dark, you're not supposed to do anything in anyway. So it's that's not really a problem. But I mean, it, it, I, think, I mean, granted, uh, I have a 2080 Ti, but... I got other games that oh, I can't run at a system. Yeah, well, I can't run other games because of optimization issues at 144 frames per second and still stream it. But this game never dropped below 110 frames per second at 1080p. And I could stream it just fine. Other than I had to window capture or monitor capture instead of game capture because it runs on Vulkan and OBS doesn't capture Vulkan for some reason. But well, this whatever. is exactly the kind of shit I'm talking about. Uh, the PC gaming community really needs to get together and shut the fuck up when it comes to who's like this idea that it's the game developer's fault if your system can't run a game perfectly. If you want a game to consistently run perfectly, buy a fucking console, okay? If you're on PC, you have to accept the fact that some games aren't going to be tailored towards your system. Now, game developers generally try to do this. They generally try to it's get it to better. where every system can run it. It runs but better than Rage 1, gonna, which is you're crazy. You're going to sometimes run into problems that nobody else has experienced. Because the problem with PC gaming is that most people have computers that are built from parts that are not really 
meant to go together necessarily. It's not all one manufacturer. Yeah, you nothing know, in my computer. I don't think any two items are the same manufacturer. Right. An Asus motherboard, Intel chip, uh, so you fucking Corsair RAM. You have all these different companies trying to work together to get all these things to work well together, but there's going to be bumps. It's impossible to have it. To work. The, the mentality that this is somehow supposed to be 100% all the time effective is so fucking retarded. Like, what are you talking about? Nothing in life is like that. You are never, ever going to have everything be 100% of something. So this, like, of course you're going to have, I've had two crashes in this game. I don't hold it against the game or the game developer. You know what I do? I start the fucking game back up. And you know what? I take, I take, uh, I give the game developers a little bit of credit that the game picks up right where I pretty much fucking left off. I barely ever lose. Yeah, sometimes it's to content. the detriment. I mean, there are a few things that are wrong with the game, but it's nothing big. Like, uh, if you fall from a high distance and die. Sometimes it'll checkpoint you in the middle of your fucking fall and you got to find some creative way around it. Now you can either load your checkpoint or you can use some of your abilities to try to mitigate the fall, like your double jump or your dash and get that stuff pretty early. So I never really had, I did have that issue, but it never made me reload from the beginning or start the game over. And there is some texture pop in and stuff. And if you think about it, it tech six was made for doom pretty much. And doom never really has any long sight lines. It's a lot of indoor environments, right? So it didn't, they had to probably come up with a creative way to load this shit in, but you have to be looking for it to see it. I mean, if you, if you're not really, yeah. actively trying to look for it, you don't see it. Like I can watch your stream and see that the game runs really well on your stream. And then on my stream, it doesn't run as well because my computer is not as powerful as yours. And that's on me. That's not on the game developer. But in terms of this game, this game is a good fucking game. It's not an amazing game. Like, I don't know why every game has to be God of War now in terms of narrative and gameplay and everything. Like, God of War and The Last of Us, these types of games are what you would call golden eggs, okay? Magnus Opums. They're like <laughs> the... the um... <laughs> Magnum Opuses. Magnum Opuses. Magnus, Magnus Opums. <laughs> Sorry, Magnus. <laughs> That's the condoms brand. Sorry. Magnum Opus. Magnums. Magnum Mag openings. Magnum condoms for Magnum openings. <laughs> what did I say? Did I not say Magnum Opuses? You said Magnus Opum. Magnus Opum. <laughs> Listen, it's fucking 83 sweltering degrees in my room right now. I'm probably dying of heat stroke. Uh <laughs> Here's the here's the problem though. Those games are amazing games that come once. You think God of War Two is going to be? Look, as we'll, good we'll as get the into the meta of the of reviews. Well, hold on, no, hold on. Talk because about the game. First. This is some bullshit. Well, I am talking about the game because if you think Last of Us Two or God of War Two is going to be anywhere near as good as the first iteration of them, they're certainly going to probably be good games. But if you think they're going to be any as good as the first, you're fucking so wrong because the, there's nothing like the first time you experience something new and unique and interesting. But not every game is going to be new and unique. And that's fine that this game isn't unique. This game is fine. It's, it's like Doom with an open world element and a bunch of superpowers. What, what could you not, what more do you want? You want a fucking amazing story? I've even heard people say, like, man, Jesus this game would be Christ. great if it was more linear. It's like, then play Doom. Play Wolfenstein. Right. Play like, Doom or Wolfenstein. 
Those games are there for you. I they mean, play Wolfenstein the is actually more similar to this in that you can ADS and you have some superpowers and stuff. And yeah. it's linear. And it's still a good fucking game. There's nothing wrong with a game being linear, but I'm really glad that it's open world because, I, honestly, they can make every game out of the RE engine and this engine, and I'd be fucking happy. They look, on at least on my system, they look and run the best. So, I mean, or Fox engine. Those three engines, which is, you know... Especially for id Tech is saying something because id Tech 5 was trash. But id Tech 6 and uh, Doom Eternal is going to be the first game running id Tech 7. So, mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited. But basically the game is, you know, you're, you're a ranger. You're the last ranger, which is like, I guess, these group of people that came out of these arcs and they got genetic modifications and Story's all this stuff. bad. And, uh, I mean, if you play you the go first around range. And, well, okay, hold on. Let me, let me go over the story because it's quick. <laughs> There's this uh, a fascist overlord pseudo-government called the Authority, and you got to stop them. And there's these three people you meet in three different towns, and they basically send you on one mission. And then the next mission shows up when you get reputation with these guys. And then you go and you destroy the Authority. It's really a three-part mission. It is a really short story, and it just it really just gives you an excuse to do all the side missions. Right. Which is fine, because everything you do it starts contributing towards the upgrades you get and you get more powerful. And yeah, it's like any open world game at the end that you're kind of like, well, I'm super powerful with nothing to do. And the game does need a new game plus, but I mean, what are you going to do? So all the, all the activities are pretty varied. They mostly boil down to follow waypoint, kill everyone, which is fine. Cause that's what it's supposed to be. They're, they're not yep. trying to do anything more than that. But, um, the, the activities include like, some car shit. You also have a bunch of different cars. Only one of them is like your default car that has a bunch of different guns and weapons. And But you can drive pretty much any other car you find in the game. Well, the game does need and, some things. Yeah. Uh, you so know. you got that stuff. You got bandit dens where you just drop in and kill everyone. Uh, you got bounties, which are like the mini bandit dens, I guess. You go and you kill about four people. And those are the things that repeat at the end. You could just keep picking those up over and over. Uh, then you got mutant dens where you got to go in there and you have an endless spawn of mutants and you have to deal with them while you're trying to destroy all their little egg sacks. Uh, you got a handful of missions where you got to go kill giant enemies. Shit. Are you going to sit here and name every single type? No, I mean, shit. that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a whole lot of shit. Just the other day we were playing last night and I stumbled upon a type of mission I have never fucking seen before. And I've been I've been just destroying the map for days. I haven't even done the main quest barely at all. Like, I just met... I had fucking level 9 with the guy before I fucking met him. The Dr. Kabassi yeah. or whatever. But that's the thing, is it doesn't really matter because they're just going to send you out to do side quests anyway. And when you right. do the because main quest, the nothing changes. Game, you still just go out and do side quests. I haven't ran into any problems because... I haven't ran into any slow things like that because... Uh, where they're like, well, go do more stuff because I've just been doing so much stuff on the side, you know, preemptively, just having a good time, uh, trying to unlock vehicles and shit like that, that it really doesn't, uh, it's really not a thing where I've run into it. Every time I go to them, they have a new thing. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just rush through the main story, it's probably seven to 10 hours. And if you want to clear the map, it's about 30 hours. And if you stop and you read every little thing, which I didn't read anything, there's little data tablets you can pick up but i didn't actually read any of that so if you stop and you read everything maybe 40 hours total 
So is it worth the 60 bucks? Well, buy or dollar an hour standard? No, but I, I don't regret the purchase. And I'll probably put more time into it, trying to max everything out, maybe get some achievements. There's still DLC on the way, so. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, a few yeah. audio bugs where you'll be in a mid-conversation with someone and their mouth will be that moving and no words will come out. Yeah. But you just turn subtitles on if you really care about what they're saying, and I'm sure that'll be fixed soon. And I'll tell you, the story for me is boring, but to be fair, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I didn't really play the first game to, to its, its extent. Like, I think that if you played the first Rage, you're going to go into this game going, well, that's really cool. That's that's way, way cooler than I imagined it to be because there's a lot of crossover. There's a bunch of characters from the first one that are in that, that are in this one and in leadership positions now. And that really kind of sets things up for you because it's always nice to see something like that if you're interested in it. But if you. If you've never played Rage, you're going to go in disinterested in the story because there's really nothing going on. It just throws you into the really action. Matters. It immediately throws you into the action. And that's what this game is about, is the action. You're not supposed to care about character. It's really got that kind of Borderlands-y kind of concept going on where you don't really care about the characters because it's a post-apocalyptic and everything's kind of made fun of. I mean, the, the only thing this game is missing is toilets with, with shit jokes. And, and then it's borderline. Yeah, the, the humor is a little bit more subtle than some other games, but it's done. It's still there. Like there's this guy opinion. in one of the towns and he's just hiding in a corner, petting a rat, giggling to himself. And his name is Wimothy Tillits. Like, yeah. you know, Timothy Willits, the developer. Yeah. <laughs> and it like, even look at some of these like board game or not, they're not board games. What is it? No, it's like a TV dinner called Willits. Yeah. So like there, there's a bunch of names that you might recognize, even though they're not like exact names funny inside humor that it's pretty it's pretty good i mean i personally think it's really fucking good uh there's a lot of humor like and the game is not about story i i gotta emphasize it it has a story if you care so much about narrative but that's not what this game is about i'll tell you what this game is about okay i was on my fucking motorcycle last night i was on my motorcycle last night and i had i had went to the like back to the city you start in just to see if I missed anything, I picked up a bunch of notepads and shit or whatever, iPads, whatever you want to call them, tablets. Uh, and I got out of there. And as I'm getting out of there, I'm on the motorcycle, which is really fast as long as you can drive in a straight line. <laughs> like, Yeah, they suck. And, and I see this ramp. And on the other side of the and I, I drive up to the edge of the ramp, and I see that on the other side of this giant canyon is one of these bandit compounds that you're supposed to go in and liberate. So I back it up and get as much the straightest line I could possibly get from a distance. And I just fucking book it and I jump in there. And, and when I jump in, it's not like I jump in and land in the middle of the town and start fucking people up. I land on some railing on the highest point in this compound that you're supposed to fight your way up to. And I land on the fucking railing, jump off and just start blasting motherfuckers and working my way down to the exit. Like It was fucking amazing. Yeah. And that's what this game is about. Because you just fuck people. You can't up really in describe game. it in words. It happens really fast. All the combat, but I mean, some some of the my go to moves are the shatter, which is basically like a force push. But towards the end, you just people just explode when you hit them. So you got like a regular melee, and then you get your super melee. You get a dash, which fucks up people's aiming and gives you a few seconds of damage reduction. Uh, you get slam, which is you just pound the ground and everything dies, and then you can upgrade that so there's like a singularity beneath you that draws everyone in, so that you you know, make them fucking explode when you land on them. You get a it's barrier great. that sucks. You get a, um, a little vortex that sucks everyone's in and shoots them in the air. Fucking shit up. 
you just know when you're doing good. Yeah, yep. there's moments where you're like, fucking clip it. <laughs> like, oh and it's God. similar to Doom in that you feel really overpowered, but if you stand still yeah. for not even that long, you'll you'll fucking die. Yeah, mobility is important. Yeah. This is not a game where you stand behind cover and peek and shoot. This is a game where you're meant to get up in their face and use your abilities to obliterate large numbers of enemies as quickly as possible. That's yeah, like one, of, one of my badass moments. One or that... two slams and they're fucking all gone. <laughs> yeah, and everything has a cooldown, but you, you can reduce that through upgrading and all that. But probably one of my... With cheats that you can unlock by buying them in the game. So all these fucking kids that are always going on in these fucking subreddits about... Remember when you used to just be able to unlock cheats? You can do that in this game. Everything is unlockable. Yeah, they you disable achievements, shit. but I don't I haven't even felt the need to use them. You yeah, know, well, like, I'm just I'm just saying they're just there. I mean, everything that you unlock in this game is done in the game. It's not some paid system. There's no there's no monetization in this game whatsoever. Oh and yeah, there is. Want to bitch about it, but you, you don't need to. Yeah, you can go into the store and you can buy points with there money. There's a store. Uh, yeah, you can go in and you buy points with I money. I don't even fucking know. And then, like, and then you can get weapon skins, but you can also buy the weapon skins just with money in the game, in-game money. So These are the kind of games that you're supposed to prop up because you want the industry to see, look, they did it right. But you're going to shit on this game, and game developers are going to go, guess they didn't like that, so no more of that shit. It's so fucking stupid. But like one, of my, one of my funny moments from yesterday was that there's this uh, there's a move called barrier where you throw this thing out and a little energy barrier shows up that you can take cover behind, which it's useless because when do you ever just sit behind cover, you know? But right. <clears throat> I killed everyone except for one of these shield enemies. There's these enemies that have giant shields that you can't shoot through and then they just rush at you. Uh, one of the upgrades for the barrier is that the barrier does damage when en when enemies touch it. So as this fucking thing is rushing at me, I throw a barrier down and they run through the barrier and just fucking explode into little bloody pieces. <laughs> it was pretty great. I should have clipped it. <clears throat> but, I mean, games are always mostly about gameplay. I mean, sure, there's some games out there that they're all about story and the gameplay is kind of not that great. Like, you know, Last of Us. I might catch some shit for that, but it's true. The gameplay in Last of Us was not fantastic, but the story was really good. This is not one of those games. This game is all about gameplay. And the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is really fucking fun. Yeah. And that's what games are supposed to be about. I, I Listen, I agree that story is the backbone of a video game, but the meat is the gameplay. And if you, and the, that's the most important part, because it doesn't matter if you have a spine if you don't have any muscle to move your fucking body around. It's a backbone in that every game needs a story, in my opinion, to some degree. Or else it's just, I mean, look at Fortnite. Nothing. I mean, original Fortnite, sure. Current Fortnite, uh, PUBG. What's the story there? There's no intrigue to that. Like, wait, you can't have like one little thing. Not even like a simple concept of like why these people are here. I mean, there's certainly a story. They just don't explore it. Even Overwatch has a shitty story going on. Yeah, and it it kind of enriches the game a little bit. You know, I think you can throw people into gameplay and not shove story down their throat and still have an interesting, unique story that uh, kind of enriches the the game a bit. I mean, don't make me sit through cutscenes if your story sucks, which this game doesn't do, by the way. You can literally just walk away from people at any time or skip dialogue. Yeah, it's pretty funny when you walk away from people. She actually goes later as you're walking away. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but 
No, I mean it's a it's a really good game. If you're if you're on the fence, maybe wait for a sale. But I mean, if you like Doom, if you like the gameplay of Wolfenstein, and you want that, it's worth then, sixty dollars. Yeah. If, if you're into Ubisoft games, especially if you like Far Cry games, that's pretty much this. No. Without. Code. I have seen evidence that there may be co-op coming. Either Something co-op like is that. coming, or it was in the game and they took it out because there was two times when I saw Gabler's I've name in the game. I've seen your name too. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like it wasn't that he was there's online, and that's where he was. Too. Yeah, there's a friends yeah. list, but there's nothing to do there. You go into options, you go into friends, you can see all your friends, and that's, that's it. it. <laughs> hey, look, I have a friend. I have one friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the co-op would even work. I mean, it would be cool to like play the game together, but you'd need more enemies. That's probably you need why more enemies. Mean, yeah, everyone that's, would it's fucking probably die. Something they had, and they took it out because it was just they couldn't it get was the over numbers too quickly. Right. Well, they I, I can uh, listen. It's a post-apocalyptic game. It's very difficult to have a post-apocalyptic game with a ton of enemies. Now you can do this with mutants, but when it comes to the regular raiders, like imagine going into a compound with a co-op, you're going to have to have double of what you normally have. It's just a lot of fucking people in one little tiny compound. Yeah. It's kind of I can see how that's pretty difficult. You know, in a game like Far Cry, you don't have to explain that away. It's just there's there's bad guys here. You know, I mean, I think it works. I don't. There's not a lot of people in compounds. They show you know you got like six to seven people, and you want to take them out with stealth, and then like enemies will well, come they call in, in and more. do stuff right. Yeah. So I, I think it would work, and the developers were maybe just a little too afraid or something like that, but. I mean, it's yeah, also, you got to think about the engine it was made on. It was made for Doom and Wolfenstein. And when you try to take an engine that's like, hey, we're going to focus on really good. To be fair. Yeah, but they were made by different developers and stuff, and they weren't that great. But Well, the multiplayer in Doom was decent for co-op. There was like horde modes no, and shit like that. There was, I don't think there was multiplayer in Doom. Yeah, we, we played multiplayer in Doom. You and I. We did some, it was like snap map shit. Oh, well, that was fucking garbage. Well. Some of them were pretty decent with the horde mode stuff and like trying to get to different locations and shit like that. Basically trying to do that Call of Duty zombie shit. Uh, but now they're trying to add RPG elements and stuff. And I mean, when you try to take a game that's made for shooters and add RPGs, it usually doesn't end yeah. up that well. So Well, it's difficult to do. Uh, because it's a very fine line between... Focusing on the gunplay, like a lot of people really fuck it up in my opinion. You get a game like Borderlands where you have a hit rating and uh, you can miss your with your bullets. That's not fun. Nobody wants that. Uh, yeah. And when you try to you take an like engine Destiny. like Frostbite that's made for Battlefield and you try to make a fucking RPG kind of thing out of it, you get Anthem. Which, you know, granted yeah. the shooting was fine and the abilities were fine, but the RPG aspect of anthem was fucking terrible well to be fair the only, the only real problem with uh, anthem is they go too too far in the rpg in the sense that if they would have if they wouldn't have gone as far as they did they would have been fine but because they went as far as they did they needed more information on stat pages and things like that realistically they suffered the vanilla wow problem right <laughs> like, well they vanilla also didn't wow get any a lot of problems with they didn't uh, get enough help from dice on how to use their engine that was a problem yeah, that's probably true Dumbbag dice trying to <laughs> make him fail out of that. But I mean, Rage is really fucking good. It's it's a lot of fun to play. 
I, I'm looking forward to DLC. I want to fuck some more shit up. And I yeah, hope they I add mean, a new game plus because once you get all that power, it's hard to give it up. You might go back to it, right? Well, yeah, I'm definitely going to go back to it just to fuck around in the world and finish up, you know, a, a few things. I'm not quite maxed out on all my skills, so I got to max that out. But it's like diminishing returns. Once there's nothing left to do except for bounties, you know, everything levels up really, really slowly. And I only need to level up like two more times. But it's going to take a really long time because I don't have any main missions or bandit dens or anything like that to do anymore that give you a big chunk of... I don't know if it's experience or reputation. Like, you yourself don't have an experience bar. You don't get XP just by killing shit. But, like, there's three different people you meet, and they have three different colors assigned to them. And every mission has a different color assigned, you know, that's respective to whoever you're doing the mission for, basically. And every time that you complete one of those, it levels up your reputation or experience bar with that person. And then each of those people have a different talent tree. And you just dump you know, points into your skills for each of those talent trees. So the stuff that I need, I got like two skills left from one of these people, and I, I don't even need to have them. It's skills that I never use or aren't that useful, but at least it gives me some kind of fucking excuse to go back in there and fuck shit up. I'd, yeah. I'd give it a 9 out of 10 for what it is. For what it is, it's a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I give it an eight. It hasn't attracted my attention as much. I, you know, I think you like shooters a little bit more than I do, and that's why I just take one point off of it. Is because, uh, for me, it's fun. It's no, it's not much different than Far Cry. It, I, I mean, I agree. Listen, there could obviously be more. You know, there could be better things in place. But you know, when you eat a good sandwich, you don't sit there and complain about how it could be the best sandwich. <laughs> or could have been the best scene. Yeah. And you know, there is driving in the game and then I don't I can't really speak to how good the racing is because I only did the one required race. And I didn't yeah. I didn't really go back. And I'm the also playing on great. mouse and keyboard, so I don't know how it feels on a controller. It might be made for a controller, I don't know. But I I don't I'm a little biased because I don't like driving your vehicles really in any game. I don't like it in Battlefield, I don't even like it in GTA. So yeah, I watched you running around half the time. Yeah. But you don't really I'm, need a vehicle, you have a full speed sprint. And then you got a super sprint, and then you got fast travel. I mean, most of the time, if I'm using a vehicle, I'm using the um, the Icarus, that little mini helicopter that you get, so I can just fly over shit. Mm. If I gotta do, if I gotta go kill convoys, then I, you know, I use a car. And sometimes I just feel like using a car because I'm like, you know what? I have to go from point A to point B, but I want to fuck shit up along the way. And that's another thing. For all these people to say the world feels empty, I don't understand that at all. I, like, I, there's never a moment of quiet for me. There's always fucking two factions fighting somewhere. There's always people standing on the side of the road waiting to fuck you up. Like, for being a fucking post-apocalyptic wasteland, there's a lot of fucking people just around. Yeah. I mean, there's spaceships dropping off fucking That's part of the problem authority with post-apocalyptic games is, you know, it works in Fallout because Fallout is kind of a slower game. You know, you're not running at breakneck speeds and shit like that. So it it works to have less people in the world because there's supposed to be those somber moments where you feel alone walking around in a building with no enemies whatsoever. Uh, and that's, that's the point of it. But when you get a game like this, I think it's, I think uh, post-apocalyptic isn't that great of a setting because it's just, there's too many fucking people. And yeah, you have and to you know have what? a lot of people to kill. The, the environments are actually pretty surprisingly varied too. You got your kind of generic wasteland starting area. And then you got this jungle area, you got a swamp area, you got a desert area and you got, 
this like craggy mountainous area. I mean, it doesn't all look like a bland. Like anyone who says this game looks bland hasn't played more than an hour of this fucking game because some of it is actually really fucking colorful and vibrant with life, which again is kind of weird for apocalyptic waste post apocalyptic wasteland, but it uh, it kind of works. So don't sure. listen to all these fucking morons that say, oh, the game is bland, there's nothing to do, the world is empty. There is so much to do. There are so many fucking people just hanging around waiting to kill you. There's always fucking cars driving by, people on the side of the road, monsters waiting to kill you, shit to explore. And the one thing I will say is outside of the pre-designated markers on your map, there's really not a whole lot of reason to explore. Like if it's not on your map, there's probably nothing there. But even on unmarked areas, there's little, you know, smatterings of people you can just, you know, fucking kill along the way. Yeah. I uh, I think what they should have done was, uh, the reason why it works in Doom is because there's a bunch of fucking demons. I think they should have focused more on mutants in this, uh, in this game. They should have had mutants be the main threat, whereas groups of uh, bandits would have been less of there's way too many bandit encampments and there should have been way more mutant overgrown areas or something because i can believe that there's a ton of fucking mutants like they're just fucking like rabbits underground yeah well they're mostly relegated to being underground yeah but i mean why and most of the times when you gotta do mutant missions they endlessly spawn until you kill all their eggs so i mean it seems like there's more of them they're just all concentrated into these handful of Mutantness. The armor system also, I think, works pretty well. You don't get armor, but the enemies do, and it it's seems okay. pretty. It seems pretty bullshit at the beginning, but most of your weapons have some kind of like destroys Actually, armor really I fast. I disagree. I would say it seems fine in the beginning, and then mid tier seems bullshit. Late game is kind of pointless because then your guns just root through. But the problem I have with the armor is that you have enemies who enemy types like there are different factions and some factions like it makes sense with the bandits because you know these well, guys bandits have, don't like, really have armor like a few a handful right they're like do. be like one or two guys in the group that have armor and that's fine because it really makes you kind of change your tactics a little bit when dealing with people you can't just pop them in the head but then you run into these guys that all have fucking armor and that's a little fucking ridiculous because I want to use my abilities, but a lot of my abilities don't work until you get them super powerful and they do enough damage to just blow through their armor and kill them. So, you know, I'm running up on a guy and I'm hitting him with my fucking thing and he's just flying back and then I still have to shoot him. And it comes, down, goes to away. The, it comes down to the point where I just, I have to use my one gun that has armor piercing on it. Like, yeah, well, that goes away pretty early if you put your points. At, like that—that's the first thing I focused on was well, fucking up armor. But what I mean is that and, uh, it, it uses it uses the system that the Division Two should have used, where you shoot someone in the armor and the armor breaks off, and then they have a weak point. Mm-hmm. Like you can shoot them in the chest and break their armor, and then shoot them in the arm and break their armor, shoot them in the other arm, break their armor, shoot them in the head and break their armor, or you can just keep shooting them in the chest. So it's not like armor is extra health, like actually, especially with like a shotgun. You can shoot them once right. and just watch all these fucking pieces of armor just fly off of someone. So I think it works pretty well. I mean, there was you're right, there is a point where it's kind of bullshit. But, like, even someone fully armored now, if I go up and use my shatter move, they still just fucking explode. Body parts and armor flying everywhere. 
I could probably kill someone in one shot through a shield at this point. Yeah, you definitely get uber powerful later on in the game. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. So let's talk about this blue post from World of Warcraft. Classic. See if I can find it somewhere. Oh, yeah. The one where it's not a bug. It's working as intended. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'll remember. For... A lot of people reporting <laughs> things as bugs in vanilla because they never played them or maybe they just forgot. Yeah. And Blizzard so, comes here, out I'll... like, this is how the game was. I'll read the post. And, we, and keep in mind, we've been saying this for a really long time. I really hope you think you do, fixed, but you don't. I really hope they fix bugs and shit like that the way they fixed it. I, I hope they're true to vanilla in the sense that they're like, yeah, this bug exists, but it existed through this entire patch cycle. So we're not going to get rid of it until the next patch cycle. Yeah. If they if hilarious. they do patch it, you know. All right. So here's here's the post. There's a blue post. As we've discussed before, the nature of WoW Classic sometimes invokes different memories for different players, and this leads to certain misconceptions for some about what is or isn't working as intended. The following is a list of commonly reported gameplay in WoW Classic that is not actually a bug and is working as we expect it to. <laughs> Tarin's hitboxes and their melee reach is slightly larger than other races. <laughs> Yeah, there's Working one as intended. Doesn't that sound fun? That that there's a, a, a race, the Torn out there, that have a range advantage as melee over everyone. Why do you think all these streamers are playing fucking Torn? Huh? Yeah, it's they're really slow and awkward looking, and all their animations look like shit, but guess what? You get more range than your melee attacks. So <laughs> Alright. Being critically struck while using slash sit to sit does not cause abilities like enrage, blood craze, and reckoning to activate. Right. So what that means is those abilities are supposed to activate whenever you're critically hit. Now, when you sit down and wow, I don't know if it's still true in, in current game, but when you sit down, if you get hit, you get critically hit every time. It's 100% a critical hit. And back in the day, that wouldn't trigger those abilities that were supposed to trigger off of getting critical hit. Because it's easily exploitable. The reason, yeah, it's easily exploitable. The reason they wouldn't do that at the time is because... Uh, People would just sit down and they'd, they'd hit the sit button, which you could just have bound to X. They'd hit that button in the middle of combat to get there in rage because the animation would play so quickly and you'd just, you'd just be able to do it in the middle of fights. So you'd always have enrage up on a warrior or something like that. Carry so on. not a bug. <laughs> Using the automatic quest tracking option does not auto-track newly accepted quests. It instead will start to track an existing quest once progress towards an objective is started. But what does that mean? Okay, so uh, read it again one more time. I don't even remember any automatic quest tracking back in the day, but all right. There, using, there using the automatic quest tracking option does not auto-track newly accepted quests. Yeah, okay, so... It, it instead in will start while, to track an existing quest once progress towards an objective is started. Right, so... The, the way the game works now is when you pick up a quest, it immediately puts that in your tracking log and you have to go in and disable tracking. I think there might be an option in the setting somewhere to disable that uh, to where it automatically acquires new uh, new ones. But in the back in the day, the quest log didn't track like that. You had to manually open the, the quest log and track things manually that you wanted to track. This is just a small quality of life improvement that they added so you don't have to spend fucking, you know, 20 seconds of your day every time you pick up a new quest tracking it. 
So the way the game does work, though, is that it won't track it. But if you go and do an objective of that quest, like pick up, if you kill a knoll and pick up its fucking paw or something, it then starts tracking that quest. So there you go. All right. This one's great. This is the best. Warrior health regeneration is working at the expected rate. Right. So, uh, <laughs> what is what does this mean? Uh, <laughs> so if you look up anything with vanilla wow and spirit okay this is an old stat that uh they used to have in in wow that had to do with mana regeneration specifically but it also had to do with health regeneration now back in vanilla especially with what they're they're working on now uh spirit health regeneration wasn't really a factor at end game because you're dealing with large amounts of health. The amount of health were really low compared to the incoming damage. But at lower levels, the the it was it was kind of set to a nominal rate where you know if you're playing a warrior right now in WoW Classic, your first 20 levels, you're gonna find that when you kill something out of combat, your regeneration's pretty good. It's gonna feel similar to what it is now. But once you start getting over that level 20 hump on your way up, you're going to start running into problems as a warrior where you're not going to be regenerating health at, a, at the same rate that everyone else is. Why is that? Because, because this, the, it's all based off of, it's not normalized like it is now. It's based off of a stat known as spirit. Spirit mostly had to do with mana regen, which means that everybody that has mana has spirit on the gear that they pick up. So that means hunters. Uh, mages, warlocks, shamans, priests, paladins, and so on and so forth. The only classes that don't deal with spirit are rogues and warriors. Now, rogues and warriors, the reason why rogues don't have a problem with spirit is because <laughs> they, dodge they, don't, they dodge a lot and they kill things before they come out of stun lock. Remember, this is before diminishing returns existed. So you're not going to see a problem with 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 rogues but as a warrior you're taking hits to the face constantly you're going to see that your spirit because you don't have any spirit oh, and also warrior. you can't use plate until level 40. right you can't use plate <laughs> till level 40. Either. your health pool is not that great and your mitigation is not that great so what starts to become a problem is until you start getting full wrath from bwl you're not seeing a lot of spirit on your gear. And even when you do get that spirit, and people used to, it's funny because back in the day, people used to laugh at it. Blizzard's itemization, spirit on warrior gear. Uh, these fucking idiots didn't realize that it was giving them health regen. Okay. Now, most classes have base spirit as well. This is another important factor. Most classes with mana have base spirit values that go up higher. Just like any D&D game, their spirit values go up higher per level than a warrior's does. Obviously. So as you're leveling up and not getting spirit on your gear, as opposed to the healer or the cat, or not just the healer, but anybody with mana that's getting spirit on their gear, they're also getting spirit on their base character sheet where you're not. So you're, you're, you're out of combat fucking health regen. Starts to get... You're going to waste all your gold on fucking armor repairs slow. and food. That's right. You got to sit down and eat food. And, and bandages are just decent for like in-between pulls. If you want a tip as somebody that played a warrior in vanilla, save your bandages for if you think you're about to die, blow intimidating shout, and then uh, take that opportunity to start bandaging while they're, that, you know, a couple ticks of bandage health can save your life. 
Yeah, this is when uh, bandages were actually useful, too. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of phased out the usefulness of bandages, then got rid of bandages. Well, and they didn't get rid of bandages, but they got rid of first aid as a tertiary profession. Right. All right. Next. Um, quest objectives and points of interest are not <laughs> tracked on the map or mini-map. Oh, the good old days. And also, they didn't mention this, but uh, if you got to, like, go pick up 15 bundles of wood, you know, for a quest, uh, the, the fucking bundles of wood don't glow or sparkle. They're just there. Yeah, so you have to look have for them. That sparkle. <laughs> so you have to get I mean, the quest, read the glow. quest, read where to go, find out how to get there, and then look for yourself. There's no fucking arrow pointing you there. They're not marked on the map, and they don't fucking sparkle to point themselves out. Yeah, and this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fuck all these grounds we've been... You know, this is one of those things, and this is the problem, I think. This is one of those things where for years and years while World of Warcraft was going on, there was always the WoW killer, the next big WoW killer. And it was always like games like Rift and shit like this. It was going to kill WoW, man. And you know why it didn't kill WoW? Because World of Warcraft, unlike other MMOs, adopted good systems from other games. It has stayed up to date. That's precisely why it still exists 15 plus years later. And these people don't get it. They're like, that was the best ever been. No, it's not. If it would have stayed that way, it would have disappeared into the distance. Just like EverQuest. Okay? Jesus Christ. I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say EverQuest wasn't a good game. But at the same time, it, the old EverQuest sucked. Okay? It sucked. Because standards have changed. It's very similar to Half-Life. Go play Half-Life. Go play Half-Life again. Just go do it. It doesn't hold up. You remember it for, because of nostalgia. It was a good game back then. But games have come along that do narrative way better in FPSs and do FPSing way better than that game did. That's just the way it works, man. It's just... You're living off nostalgia. You live on a yep. throne of lies. <laughs> Completed quests are marked on the mini-map with a dot and not a question mark. Yeah, well, that's because nothing yeah. else was marked on your mini-map. That's right. There you were didn't... no exclamation marks to show you where quests were at. There were no ex question marks to show you when and they there were. There were no dots to, to show you where your fucking herbs were. I mean, I think if you were a hunter, you, no, you could, had like, that. mark you these. Had to track. No, no, you had to... So there were dots, but everybody had a skill in their profession book if you had like herb herbalism that you had to activate to track herbs, it wasn't just naturally something that occurred. And yeah, by the way, yeah. the dot system was what was used for every objective at all time. There are no circles on the mini map or zones that tell you where these enemies are located. It's just a dot on the map that tells you this is where it's yeah, at. It's always it's great when uh, it doesn't point you run to the dot. You run to the dot, and it turns out that you have to go a mile away into a cave and backtrack underground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, feared players and NPCs run fast. And also right off of cliffs. Yeah. Standing on top of other players while facing away allows spells and attacks to be used. I don't really know what that means. I don't remember that. I say it again. Standing on top of other players while facing away allows spells and attacks to be used. Yeah, so 
uh, nowadays, if you if somebody stands on top of you uh, and they're facing away from you, you uh, it says out, you know you're not looking at. But back in the day, there was a bubble around a player's feet that kind of determined whether you were looking at them or not. And if you stood in that, it counted no matter which way you were ang- angling. Now, the significance of this, of course, is that um, I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I believe that kicking and pummeling and interrupting cast, you had to be in front of the target. I believe that is how that was. So, for example, something that warlocks used to do was uh, they turn away from you. They try to keep their back to you whenever you would come in to interrupt their fear. Now, I don't know if that was before the 112 that they're currently at or after, but I think that might be what they're talking about. Okay. This is something people are complaining about for whatever reason. I don't know. All right, well, moving on. Creature respawn rates are much slower than in Battle for Azeroth. (laughs) Yeah, I remember fucking day one of Wrath of the Lich King. Holy shit. Man, that sucked. Yeah, so over time, uh, the numbers have gone up. Uh, If you look at, uh, you can Google WoW sub numbers over time. Uh, and you can get a nice little graph to see the the sub numbers and how they've gone up. You know, in vanilla back in two thousand five, they were under two point five million. They they reached over two point five million in between two thousand five and two thousand six, and it steadily went up to five million, seven million, and they they peaked in vanilla at about a little bit above set, like maybe close to eight million uh, in players vanilla? in vanilla. Yeah, that's as high as they ever got. But it was a slow, steady climb back in vanilla. Then they reached the Burning Crusade, and it kept going up all the way up to about 11 million. And then Wrath of the Lich King is really where it started to kind of uh, peter off to elevate out a little bit. And they, I think they peaked at almost uh, 12 million. They're really close to 12 million. And then in Cataclysm, it started going down. And it's been downhill ever since. Warlords of Draenor jumped up and went down. I'm sure if this included Legion and stuff, it goes back up a little bit. So. But they stopped it, releasing sub numbers, so... Right, it's a slow decline. The trend looks to be downward, and we're probably getting close to the end life of World of Warcraft, and they need to wrap the story up and all that. But the problem here is that back in vanilla, because there were so few players, they didn't understand the the metric. You know, you're talking about from zero to two point five million subscribers was from two thousand four to halfway through two thousand five. So they're they're sitting here for a year without really having to worry about it. And then suddenly they start getting these big spike jumps that, that was just outstanding. And they had to, they had to, they realized that, well, shit, we got to, you know, we got to put in all these different spawn rates and stuff because we're getting way more people in different zones. Nowadays they have sharding, which, which fixed this problem uh, completely where you have sub servers on servers that kind of distribute people so they don't have to worry about having super fast spawn rates because, of course, super fast spawn rates are not fun either because you're in an area and you're trying to get things done that don't involve killing enemies and you're just having to constantly kill enemies because they're spawning so quickly. These are problems that they had in the Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King that they fixed with, with things like sharding. Well, they started doing it with phasing at the end of Wrath of the Lich King and moving into Cataclysm and Pandaria. They and the, the original problem, by the way, for people who don't know, is on 
you know, when something new opened up or new expansion came out, you had a surge of people all trying to do the same quest and kill the same NPCs in one area. And it was mostly a waiting game. Like one person would kill and everyone would wait for a respawn. And and this wasn't back in the day when you could fucking share, you know, that's right. Another big pot. If 10 people hit one enemy, only one person gets credit for that kill. Yeah, right so. now if you're if your faction member is hitting a mob, you can share that mob. If the opposite faction hits it, it's tagged. You don't get any credit for it. Well, back in vanilla for uh, even Burning Crusade and Wrath of Lich King, this was the case even for members of your faction. So you might see some of these streamers fighting over like a boar. And you're you're dealing with a situation where you have like maybe 10 to 12 boars in one valley and you got to run so far to get the next one and there's not a lot of sprint abilities like there are now you know you think about playing a warrior now you can heroic leap you can you can charge yeah, and you also you didn't get your first mount until level 40 charges. right your, your first mount comes at level 40. <laughs> i mean now you can one. even get that motorcycle you can use at level one yeah that doesn't exist uh until what miss pandaria or warlords one of those i don't uh, fucking remember so, <laughs> So you're not only fighting over tagging with your own faction members, which you can do nothing about. Maybe you're on a PvP server, you can do nothing about it. They, they can just take shit from you all day long. And on top of that, uh, <laughs> there's not many of them to go around. And on top of that, the respawn rate for them is, you're talking about literally three-minute respawn times on mobs. That's a long time, okay? And if you're questing in an area and you got to kill 10, let's imagine you got to, let's just go with some of the classics, some of the Westfall classics. You got to, you got to kill boars to get their guts and you got to kill birds to get their talents or beaks or whatever it is. Well, I mean, how many boars are there? Let's say there's 20 boars and you need to get, what is it? Like 15 fucking. Yeah. And they drop one third of the time. And they drop like one third of a time. And it's not just you there. It's you and like five other people. Good luck. Have fun for the next hour of your and not day. Not only that, just they just made that update. Fucking quest. They just made that update where like you don't necessarily need to quest in Westfall. You know, with all the level scaling, you can choose other places. In vanilla, you don't get that fucking choice. You go from point no, A to point B, and if you don't like it, you can go, go fuck yourself. Everything. So enjoy Desolus, you fucks with because no every mount. Bit of- Every bit of experience, yeah, Desolus, enjoy that shit. Every bit of experience is this, and it's not new Desolus from Cataclysm with, oh, there's green stuff here and there's a bunch of new quest systems put in place. No, it's here's a cluster of quests here and now run to the other side of Desolus for, to turn in a quest and get Make another sure one. Make sure to be, be friends with the fucking Gelkis clan centaurs. <laughs> yeah. Kill everything forever to grind out a level 30 reputation in a zone you'll never go back to. <laughs> So these are the problems you're running into. And listen, it was fine back in the day because an hour of your time completing one quest, there was no other standard. You, there were no other MMOs out there that were doing anything different or better. And there was also nothing really to do at Endgame. So. <laughs> right. There was no standard. And you, you were probably also a kid who didn't have a fucking day job or any kind of responsibilities. So you could, you could burn an hour on one fucking quest and not think twice about it. it it's not the same anymore, man. Now, now you think about it, like, what's one of the big complaints about BFA? World quests are just boring. See, you got Nixium saying that. You got Nixium and Asmongold saying, yeah, world quests are boring. And then they go to Vanilla WoW and they're praising the fact that it takes an hour to do one fucking goddamn quest. It, it, there's, there's no fucking principles here, man. They're, they're leading themselves by the tip of their dick and their dick is nostalgia, okay? 
it, it, you don't do that. <laughs> if the problem with current WoW is that world quests are boring and redundant and you have to do them over and over with no real reward, what the fuck is an actual quest? Everybody in this and There was actually game, less variety back then. I mean, it was pretty much kill 10 of these or collect, collect. 15 of these. No variety, but way less variety than there is now. There was no walking up and hitting a button to collect some shit and you can run past the enemies. That didn't exist. Maybe like one or two. There, there, were, there were always collection quests in the sense of like, you got to collect this herb. But yeah. if you get or hit, you got to kill these enemies and collect it from their dead bodies, which was yeah. always shitty because it's like collect 10, which really just was a roundabout way of saying kill 50. Kill 50. Yeah. And people have been complaining about that kind of shit for a long time. People have been complaining about the drop rate on quest items for a long time, and Blizzard has messed with it a bit. They used to come to your face and tell you shit like, you, like oh, no. Uh, it, it, what happened is you're a fucking idiot, and you shot them. You're an expert marksman hunter, but you shot them in the kidney, you dumb, stupid idiot. <laughs> That's yeah. how we explain. Oh, you, you were here to get eyeballs, but you were bashing them in the face in their eyeballs. Like you're a fucking moron. That's the fucking excuse. It's literally the excuse their their community managers used to give people, and people had wanted nothing of it, and they still kind of, to very rarely degree, do collect shit from dead. I just don't understand. Like if you say go and collect ten of these ten eyeballs, right? Why do eyeballs only drop one out of ten times? Wouldn't it be better? I mean, at least it would feel better if it was like collect. 50 eyeballs and two dropped every single time. If you're going to make a game where you have to collect eyeballs, okay? This is for all devs out there. This is coming from an indie dev that hasn't made a single we game. We got a lot of devs it? listening to this podcast, okay. so just so you know, <laughs> we're, we're pretty big. We're growing. We've gone from in under a year. We're the largest, fastest growing video game podcast and radio show in the nation. <laughs> so you're talking about, listen, this is the trick, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. You're talking about a guy that's never graduated college. You don't need any of the, you don't need certifications or degrees for this information. Hold your buttholes. Here it goes. Listen carefully. Perk your ears up. If you're going to make a game where you have to collect objects from a fallen enemy, like, for example, eyeballs, every enemy should drop two eyeballs every single time. Otherwise, the, you're saying the player is an idiot which you don't want to do. You don't want to insult your player, but listen to me, hear me out. I know what you're thinking right now, but wait a minute. They'll just have the eyeballs that they need in five seconds. No, wrong, because instead of 10 eyeballs, you do 50, you stupid fuck. I just okay? said that. I just said that, man. <laughs> I thought you just said that. I'm reiterating it in a way they can understand. Okay. Trust me, I'm a developer. Yeah, I know how these people think. <laughs> okay. Well, I did graduate from college, and I said it first. Yeah, whatever, with his college <laughs> words. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh what's the next one where do we leave off oh, okay <clears throat> npcs which offer multiple quests and make inconsistently display them as a dot or an exclamation point on the available quest list they were inconsistent in 1.12 and we've reproduced the exact inconsistency they had back then props to blizzard for reproducing inconsistencies yeah, it's what it's what you wanted. It's what Props you wanted. Do more of that shit. Uh, quests that are too low level for for. Okay, I think it's supposed to say for you. 
Quests that are too low level for you do not show up as an exclamation point in the game world. Yeah, nowadays they show up as what, like a gray exclamation point or a yeah. different color? Yeah, they didn't fucking show up at all in vanilla. Which, I mean, it doesn't really matter because why would you be doing those anyway? But, you know, whatever. <laughs> Available quests do not display a question mark on the minimap. Yeah, you got to find them yourself. Good luck. Someone <laughs> hidden away in a little fucking shack you'd never go into? Well, tough titties. Tough titties. Go look it up on ThoughtBot. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blizzard should do that, too. I think Wowhead should get behind this whole movement and not do anything. <laughs> not, not pump out any kind of like help, helpful shit. Yeah. All right, and the last one, on level up, the message your skill in protection increased to 15 was added in 1.12.1, and we're intending to keep that. I don't remember that, but whatever. Yeah, it's some stupid display thing. You know, oh, by the way, speaking of skills, you gotta. are you a warrior? Are you playing a warrior, and then suddenly, out of nowhere... You get a drop that's a better weapon than what you have, but you've been using a two-handed sword the whole time, and this is a two-handed axe? <laughs> I level your fucking two-handed axe skill, you bitch. Yeah, and also, depending on the race that you pick, it, you, like, humans have, like, a, what, plus 15 skill, naturally, which means at the end game you can get up to, be what, wrong. It could be two-handed skill and one-handed skill or something like that. Oh, no, but. it's two-handed swords and two-handed axes and one-handed swords and one-handed axes and stabs and... Warriors can use everything. I don't remember in vanilla if they can use guns or not, but I remember warriors. And that's another problem guns. is there's not itemization for you. Okay, quests drop things based off of everybody, so you'll get a quest that drops as a warrior that rewards you with something that's totally not useful to you because it's cloth and then like a wand and a staff. And if that staff does more damage than your two-handed sword, well, guess what you're going to start doing? You're going to start swinging a staff like a little bitch. Yeah, because, because as a warrior, your, your uh, weapon damage is, fucking retarded. is important. Yeah. And you know how often you get upgrades for your weapon? Oh, my God. It's not like it is now where it's Never. systematically planned out exactly. I used to actually to buy money. weapons off the auction house to level with because oh I just couldn't find anything. Gold, good luck getting gold for that. Yeah. And and by the way, you can't buy gold like you can now from Blizzard safely. You got to find some Chinese guy that might steal your entire bank account information. Yep. Or or your your or your account for that matter. How do you, believe you know, <laughs> me, I I've looked into it. It used to be like fifty bucks for two hundred gold or something. Or now it's like fifty bucks for twenty thousand gold. I mean, you talk about fifty gold, a hundred gold, and you don't think it's much. Guess what? It's much. It is much in vanilla. It is much. Much, many more dots. <laughs> many, much, moosin. <laughs> okay, and here's a tip to you, okay? Take it, I played vanilla since launch day. At launch day, I played a druid to level 30, and then we changed servers because of our own fucking reasons. None of your fucking business. We changed servers, and then I played a paladin. Back when paladins were great, by the way. We're talking about... <laughs> because of a bug. Wasn't there some the kind way, of bug where there was an ability that was supposed to increase your attack power and lower your attack speed, but instead it increased both? Well, and Something in the like beginning, that. Rep Paladins were actually Holy Warriors. You know, you come from Warcraft 3 like I did, where the Rep Paladin is, 
where the paladin's carrying a book and a hammer and he's beating the shit out of people with his hammer. You're like, that's what I want to fucking be. I want to cast holy magic and be a warrior at the same time. And you play in World of Warcraft and Blizzard's like, yeah, we're taking away a lot of your uh, damaging abilities. And you just auto attack now with the two-hander. Isn't that fun? And then everybody starts telling you to go healer. Every time you go into a dungeon, your DPS sucks so much compared to the rogues and the mages that they're saying, why aren't you a healer? It's one of the best healers in the game. You get mana back so easily. I mean, the, that's really the only the reason why paladins were even playable back then is because you did have a semi-viable but slow way to level. But then you always had to switch to healer at the end, whereas like priests well, I'm gonna get to that. suck to solo level. <laughs> I'm going to get to that because... You can get. I played those two classes, and then I played a warrior all the way to max level, and spent the rest of the uh, up until Wrath of the Lich King playing a warrior. Okay, that's what I did. Now, um, here's what you need to think about: warrior is acceptable. You can play a warrior in vanilla right now, even in WoW Classic. If you're going to make a character and play that game, you can play a warrior if you want to. But remember, they're going to have the hardest time with health regen. And you're going to have the most downtime as any other fucking class when it comes to in-between fights. It's not going to be banging off to each fight like it used to be, like it is now, rather. Okay? That's what you're going to be doing. And I mean, you didn't have, uh, what the fuck is that ability? Victory something? Victory Rush, right. No, yeah, where you, like, it. after you kill someone... That's you... a Burning Crusade edition. Yeah. So... You can absolutely play a warrior if you want, but understand you are going to be a tank. You are going to be a tank. There is no hybridization in vanilla. Hybridizing does not come until the Burning Crusade. Now, you can get away with some DPS hybrids if you're like maybe in a progression guild with a lot of people doing... Nax, like if they put Nax 40 in there, yeah, around the time of AQ 40 and Nax 40, you can get away with being a Fury Warrior and doing decent damage. You're not going to beat the Rogues. You're not going to beat the Mages. Your only hope is that you're friends with the Guildmaster or you are the Guildmaster. That's your only fucking hope, okay? Uh, and if you care about progression, you're being a detriment to your community and your friends by playing a Fury Warrior. All right. The only purpose for having a Fury Warrior is you've been running a guild with seven warriors in it, which is required for things like AQ40. And then you go in and you're still running AQ40 and you take those same warriors with you to Nax, where you don't need that many warriors. You need upwards to two or three, maybe four tops, depending on how good you are at shit. Because that's around the time Blizzard started moving away from having five to six tanks for fucking encounters. Okay. Uh, <laughs> think about like Gar yeah. in Molten Core. In Molten Core, you need five to six tanks to tank every one of his ads. Oh, and let's not forget about fucking threat meters. Let's not oh, forget yeah. that uh, as a DPS class, sometimes you just need to fucking stand there and do nothing so you don't pull. So, so if you want to do DPS and have fun, play a DPS class. If you want to tank, you can only play a warrior. I, I'm if you like tanking in World of Warcraft. You can only play a warrior. Do not, I'm warning you, do not level a paladin. Do not level a druid. They do not get to be tanks at endgame. Okay? No, no way, no how. Warriors are by far better. Way better. Miles better than those other classes at tanking. And they will be required. Nobody get. 
I, I never once in my entire time playing vanilla saw a paladin tanking or a, a druid tanking. It never fucking happened. And likewise, I never saw a paladin DPSing or a priest DPSing or uh, a shaman DPSing or a druid DPSing. If you want, if you want to play a druid, if you want to play a shaman, if you want to play a paladin, you are going to be a healer. Okay, same for priest. That's all you get to be at endgame. Nobody wants you to be a shadow priest, okay? I don't care how much you think your vampiric embrace does for healing. It's never going to be as good as a holy priest healing. And discipline is a fucking joke, all right? Holy paladins. And most classes are like that. Most classes Why? have that third class that's viable now that was a fucking, like... Arcane for mages is a fucking joke. I remember someone asking me, like, what's better, fire or frost? And I'd be like, well, it depends on the content. You know, frost is better yeah. for leveling because of survival. And they're like, what about arcane? And I'm like, arcane is for buffing your other specs. That's it. There was no arcane blast. There was arcane missiles and, and there and was arcane the explosion. Point, that was it. For mages, frost is only viable because you are forced to be a frost mage for endgame. Fire technically does the most damage with things like pyroblast and palm pyro but but frost becomes the the thing that you're required to play if you want to end game raid right. by and the it's way. funny i mentioned that because palm pyro <laughs> presence of mind that's an arcane talent so it's just buffing yeah. your fucking fire spec so <laughs> you are forced to play frost because of fire resistance on the enemies in molten core and blackwing layer it's not until aq that you start to go back to fire and by the way, I know you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't really want to raid. <laughs> what else are you going to raid? Do? What are you going to do? <laughs> what? What are you going to run? What? There's what no, else are you going to do? There's no transmogging. There's no fucking transmog runs to do. <laughs> There's nothing. There's no world quests. You don't, you don't even need do you don't even daily. need to rep There's grind, not really. even daily quests. I'm still I'm still neutral with the Arjun Dawn, my dude. <laughs> they introduced daily quests during Dire Mall or something like that for like reputation grind only. And you know what the quest was? Turn in cloth. <laughs> well, you don't want to raid. Oh, you're gonna do PvP? What are you talking about? There's no PvP gear. There's gear that drop that you can get for PvPing, but it's not PvP. Drops gear. from the raid. <laughs> you know what the best way to pvp is go get raiding gear and then go pvp <laughs> i don't want to raid in vanilla <laughs> oh my god i'm just gonna do dungeons there's no heroic dungeons either <laughs> and dungeons you also it's not like oh i'll just bang out a few dungeons no you're gonna sit in fucking town for no an hour finder Trying to fucking find these people, but don't worry because the community is great about that. Oh, they're great people. <laughs> and the if someone is fucking is incompetent, oh, you you can you can kick them, but then you got to fucking go back to town. And unless you have a mage in the group, you got to go manually or have hope that your Hearthstone is in the correct place. <laughs> fucking spam Enjoy trade Iron chat. Forge. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just stand in the bank in Iron Forge. Hey, we need one more because our tank was an idiot. No, you don't get to have our tank was an idiot. You're grit your teeth and bear it for four hours while you slug through this shit. Yeah, the while you slug you through find. fucking sunken temple in, in the middle of fucking nowhere underwater. No and one knows where to go. Temple. <laughs> it's not new sunken temple where it's like, yeah, we fleshed it out and made it better. It's old sunken temple. Like, what the fuck is all this nonsense? 
Enjoy Dire Mall. <laughs> fucking kidding me? Enjoy Dire Mall. It's not in a. You don't do wings in oh, Dire Mall. I remember Dire Mall you very gotta, well. You do the whole I, thing. <laughs> there was actually a spell that you had to get in Dire Mall for me. What the fuck was it? There was something yes. in Dire Mall. It was. I the think ranks. it was your food. It was your it fucking was your food ranks. spells. So Blizzard, this is another thing. You have to go back to town and buy your spells. They don't just show up in your book. And you got to get the new ranks or you're doing less damage. You got to get the new ranks. And we'll get the oh, ranks yeah. in a second. And if you're a Frost Mage and you're, doing, uh, and you're trying to raid Endgame, guess where rank 11 Frostbolt comes from? AQ40. <laughs> <laughs> guess I got to raid after all. <laughs> And if you're a healer, enjoy 16 different ranks of a fucking heal. Sorry, I'm just exaggerating. It's more like 11. Enjoy all 11 <laughs> ranks of your heal. Enjoy that. It's, it's enjoy always a good feeling where it's like your you get oh, your new spell and you're like, man, I do so much damage. And then like 10 levels later, you're like, this spell sucks. Yeah. It doesn't level right. up with you, kids. And Dire Maul is right there with you. Dire Maul has some location. You got to go there for certain spots. And that's, you know, that was going to be a raid they added, but they decided to make it a five-man. And, hey, I was happy with it. I think Dire Maul is one of the best things they ever did. A long five-man dungeon. I think they need to do more shit All like these different that. wings and shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. But the thing and, is, and it's like, could, they've, you gotta, they've now you gotta broken it into wings, but it wasn't wings back then. You just do the whole fucking thing. Yeah, but the, the whole thing with the, first of all, as a mage, food and water are two different spells. Yeah. And you get two different things, food and water. There's no tables. So you when you, make it, when you, you don't make have it for everybody yeah. <laughs> one at a time. And when you don't have, uh, when you don't have your max rank water spell and you need mana, uh, prepare to sit down for the full 30 seconds. Oh, every yeah. pull. Full 30 seconds. Every no, pull. Yeah. Uh, so here's how it goes for a mage in a raid. Oh, everybody needs food and water. Okay. Let's just start conjuring. You don't put a table down for everybody to click on that goes in their bags, and you got to trade with everybody. Yep. Oh, boy, is that fun. Oh, and if you're a warlock uh, and you run out of shards, guess what? You got to have the whole raid wait on you so you can go out and get more shards. Oh, man. What, what patch did Blizzard add in fucking bags just for warlock shards? <laughs> <laughs> and even then, it's still not enough. Okay, because shards don't stack. It's one shard per slot. And every ability you have uses like shards for anything that's useful in terms of your DPS rotation. Listen, I'm telling you, do not play anything but a warrior. If you want to tank, play a warrior. You can get away with doing DPS as a warrior, but you're going to cause problems for people. If you want a DPS, you play a rogue. Don't play a mage. Play a rogue. Take it from someone who played a mage. Don't play a mage. Rogues win World of Warcraft in vanilla every single, every single way. The downtime between kills, the time that it takes for them to kill, PvP. And by the way, play on a PvE server because PvP is useless. PvP, if you're on a PvP server or you want to go PvP in a battleground, you, can, you, you are invisible to people. Well, okay? unless you want to never get anything done in the Hills, Brad, Foothills. The only strength that warriors have is mortal strike. That's it. That's it. Mortal Strike, they're the only ones with it. A uh, healing debuff. Which doesn't matter because arenas don't come into existence until fucking Burning Crusade. So, yeah, enjoy that. Enjoy two battlegrounds. It's two, right? No, it's three. They get they had a Wrathy Basin. Three battlegrounds. Oh, that was later. That was later. 
No, Rathy Basin was vanilla. It was later it in was vanilla. vanilla. Was it one point one two though? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, so you might have to deal with either capture the flag in Warsong Gulch or say goodbye to your entire fucking day, Alterac Valley. <laughs> Alterac Valley. <laughs> fucking one round to Alterac Valley takes like ten oh hours. Oh my god, it is. It's you know you you can get back into the same Alterac Valley <laughs> you were in earlier that day. It yeah. happened. <laughs> it's happened. Okay. And you're talking about, it's not like, hey, everybody runs past each other like they do now and go to the objective and some people fight. No, it's one big battle line of everybody fighting back and forth. And you might think that sounds epic, but the problem is people respawn. That's where it's not epic. So it never ends. Like a, an epic battle between, uh, you know, 100 people versus 100 people or 1,000 people versus 1,000 people. That sounds cool when everybody dies and never comes back and one side actually starts gaining ground and wins. But that doesn't happen here. People respawn in clusters and get back to the front lines and reinforce. And if you're a warrior, your job is to charge in, AOE sh shout to fear people and hope some of the healers or something get feared into your line and then die. <laughs> That's your <laughs> objective. If you're a rogue, you're and supposed then to kill be the rest before that 30 seconds is up. Picking off people that are running back or picking off some healers really quick before you vanish and get out of there. Oh, by the way, vanish is broken. So it's not amazing. I'm not going to say that it's amazing. I'm saying rogues are the best, but it still sucks for rogues because vanish is broken still, uh, as it has been since vanilla and there is no cloak of shadows. So if you get one dot on you, you're done. <laughs> Your vanish don't count for shit. You're only going to be in vanish for like half a second before they find you again. Uh, you better hope you get away with sprint <laughs> in that one second because uh, you fuck, you fuck. Let's see what. Oh, uh, questing in Stranglethorn. Guess where you have to go? Stranglethorn, the number Again, one reason to play a PVE server. It's fucking terrible. Oh, uh, um, what what are the rewards for doing Alterac Valley and uh, Warsong Gulch again? Oh, just some gear set. <laughs> A single gear set. It's uh, not as good as the raid set that you probably had to get raid gear. in order to do well in Ultra Nobody, Nobody's going to invite you to a raid if you're wearing it gear set. Because all it says is all I do is PvP. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in this raid. Yeah. yeah. No. And there's no... Uh, it's just don't a set PvP. that sucks. Do it doesn't have PvP. PvP. It doesn't have PvP stats on it because there were none. Let me tell you something. Battlegrounds suck. If you want a PvP, you can roll on a PvP server. But only do world PvP because battlegrounds suck. Okay. And if you're going to do world PvP, play a rogue. There's no other class you want to play. I promise you that. I promise you that. Rogue beats everyone. Everyone. I saw Asmund Gold playing the other day and he was playing with his paladin buddy and they're, they're questing in Red Ridge and he's streaming and he's playing his warrior and some idiot fucking viewer of his that got in comes over there with a fucking hunter. And starts trying to kill him. I'm laughing my ass off because there's no way this hunter's gonna kill this warrior. It that doesn't happen. Okay? Because you don't have disengage, <laughs> you don't have anything but wing clip. And you I can't, got him. You friend. can't you can't shoot so, anyone within eight meters of you, too. So you can't shoot anyone that's right next to you. So as soon as that warrior gets that charge on you or intercept, you're donezo, buddy. The only thing that this guy could effectively do was slow his stream down because. And the only reason why Asmongold kept dying was because he would keep pulling ads. <laughs> he would overpull. Instead of going, okay, I've killed two ads or two mobs. Now I need to wait for this hunter to get back and kill him so I can get two more mobs. 
he would just keep going because he wants to level up as fast as possible on his stream. Uh, and th that's why he'd keep losing because he'd keep having barely any health at all. Hunters don't win against anybody. Anybody. If you're a rogue and you want to not fight somebody, you can run away. You can get away. The only person you can't get away from is a hunter, but that's okay. You just run at the hunter. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> it's that fucking easy. When you see a hunter, don't run away. Just fucking kill him. What, you, what is he going to do? He can't disengage from you. You got crippling poison on him. He can't get out of that. Because if he trinkets out of your crippling poison, guess what? Just reapply it immediately. With your and auto as a, attack. As a mage, all you had to do was <laughs> figure out the range and get into that sweet spot where you're too close for them to shoot and too far away from them to, to melee. Oh, did I mention that? that zone. Did I mention that uh, hunters and warriors can slow people with with things that trigger the global cooldown, but rogues just apply it with auto attack? <laughs> just <laughs> fucking play a rogue. Okay, you're going to be a god until diminishing returns come into existence. Give me a break. You kill people so fast, too, by the way. It's literally cheap shot as your opener. The mage blinks away. You laugh as you initiate sprint and vanish at the same time. And he doesn't know where you are. And you cheap shot him again. And now you just eviscerate him to death. Which only takes like two auto attacks because you're clawed. That's right. The only, thing that, <laughs> the only thing that really rogues have trouble with are plate wares. And hey, that's only because he's got frost armor on. If it's a priest, just fucking ambush him. He dies immediately. <laughs> just fucking immediately die and if he doesn't die you can just immediately follow it with a two combo point eviscerate and he's done <laughs> that's your existence as a priest by the way on a pvp server oh i'm just standing here talking to my friend <laughs> <laughs> it usually doesn't start it's usually just hey i'm standing here talking to well why did it spin around in a circle the and only problem <laughs> you're gonna have with as a rogue is a warrior but that's because most people don't know how to play the rogue Okay, expose armor and evasion. But then he can overpower. So what? What are you talking about? <laughs> what, do you want to get hit by his mortal fucking strike and his execute, you dumb shit? <laughs> if you think as a rogue you don't use evasion against a warrior, you don't know how to play. Okay? Oh, Learn there's play, also uh, reagents. You know all those reagent vendors oh, that yeah. don't sell if shit? If you want vanish, you gotta have vanishing powder. Yeah, if you're a mage and you want to teleport, you need a rune of teleportation. You want to create a portal, you need a rune of portals. You want to use slow fall, you need a light weapon. feather. Which is great, because <laughs> sometimes you really, really need a slow fall at late level, but you gotta go back and kill those level 12 fucking birds in Westfall to get the light yeah. feathers. <laughs> you can't buy light feathers, you gotta kill birds. <laughs> you better hang on to those. <laughs> Hey, God. if you want to make bank, play a rogue and put all them feathers you got leveling up on the auction house. <laughs> Get used to, hey, can, can, uh, is there any mages out there that can port me? Yeah, sure. One gold, please. <laughs> yeah, because the mage has got to pay for his fucking reagents. Yep. Nowadays, it's just a tip. Back in the day, it was required. It's a service. Enjoy, hey, and if you want to buff people as a paladin, get them fucking Burger King tokens. Oh yeah, and if you want to do a group buff as a mage, gotta buy that fucking reagent. <laughs> hey, when did they add in group buffing? I don't know. That might not have been vanilla. <laughs> when did they add in group buffing? 
I don't know. Look it up. <clears throat> you need a reagent to do it, though. Otherwise, you're sitting there casting arcane intellect on everyone. All right. Arcane intellect for you and for you and for you. And now I got a drink. Hold on. Just wait like 30 seconds. I'm like really thirsty after doing that. Okay. And you and you. Enjoy doing that to 40 people. Yeah, there used to be uh, there used to be uh, add-ons just to buff your entire raid with one button. <laughs> God, it was terrible. I can't wait. And this is all when people can only get to level 30. Wait till they start getting endgame and shit and realizing that there's even more. And they come out with another post. Here's a, here's a post three times as long of things that really aren't bugs, you guys. Remember? Remember this is how it was. <laughs> it's just going to take some time. People might be willing to look past all this and accept it if there's a community, but there's not going to be a fucking community. There's no one gives not. a shit. Even with a community, people won't look past it at all. There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. I hope like BlizzCon two years from now, it's that one dude who said, you think you do, but you don't. God, I hope He just so. comes out with a, a shirt that says, told you so. <laughs> told you so. And then so. he goes and slowly comes up to the mic and is like, told you so. And drops the fucking <laughs> mic and just walks off the stage. Walks That's BlizzCon. End of BlizzCon. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm all for options, you know, as long as it doesn't affect other people. But this is taking development away from BFA that is desperately needed. Um, and if you don't think it has, you got to be retarded to think that they're going to hire brand new fucking people to build a game that they're already working on. Uh, because they're not, they're, they, they didn't dig up an old engine. They recreated it in the current engine. Okay. So they needed people that are already familiar with it. You have absolutely stolen development from current tier WoW and people like me who don't give a fuck about playing vanilla again because they remember vividly what it was like are a little bit upset because I still play WoW and I want it to be good. And people like this are fucking ruining it with their stupid bullshit where they think they do, but they don't. Yeah, sure. Some masks <clears throat> out there are going to love it. The same type of people that go back and play shitty-ass fucking games. And I'm not talking about games that still hold up like Ocarina of Time. I'm talking about like the first fucking Legend of Zelda. Okay? It's not as good as you think it is. It was good for back in the day. It's not. But uh, Link to the Past is. Link to the Past holds up. Yeah, some games hold up. World of Warcraft Vanilla does not. It does not. Okay, think about how many people left World of Warcraft over time. Not because the game moved away from what vanilla was, but because the, they, they just moved on because the game wasn't as good as people always made it out to be. Now you consider how many people are left now that are saying vanilla was great. Th these are the people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're like looking with rose-tinted goggles. There's a reason why this saying exists. This is a phrase that exists because people do it so fucking often. It, you're just... It's coming, man. It's coming down the line. Yep, so just remember, when all your friends... When you start telling all the shit to your friends, and they disagree, and then six months, a year from now, it turns out you're right, and be like, hey, how did you know that all this shit was going to happen? You can be like, electronic gaming, mostly podcast. Those guys... <laughs> oh. 
Jesus exactly Christ. how you're gonna say Is that just, just come on Randy. And you're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> all right we gotta move on from a while because we got about an hour yeah. left where i have to go yep so game of thrones spoilers we're just gonna say spoilers here we're gonna be talking about it um my contention is still episode, that they have yeah well and and, and tonight's they've merged kind really? of the leaks from episode five and six so when we read all that shit from episode five, we kind of know what's going to happen in episode six with pretty, yeah. pretty accurate accuracy. Like, <laughs> Yeah. The best part about tonight is that my, you know, I told you my situation with my brother last weekend, they haven't even watched episode five yet. So we get to watch that first. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting for them. I'm, I'm going to be interested on their take because they get to see episode five and then six immediately where I had to sit on it for a week. Right. Yeah. So, uh, that'll that'll be interesting, but they haven't even seen the burning. Oh, look at memes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I saw them. Oh, did you ever see the one that I posted? The kid getting baptized. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> so, what do we got? We got nothing currently on the leaks uh, in terms of. Well, they I updated mean, really, it, but well, I mean, hold it's on, something though. really new. What? What we have isn't much to go on. We got Daenerys's fate and possibly Brands and Jon's fate, right? Yeah, that's but really I it. mean that's all that matters, really. I mean, come on, Brienne. We don't know what happens to Tyrion. Well, they do. They updated it. Tyrion does go through a trial, but uh, let's see. What does it say? Combined endings. King's Council seems most likely as multiple scenes can be cheaply shot. However, few will have graphic effects or sound added. Tyrion will give a speech answering his betrayal, like in the alternate ending, but instead of being killed, is spared and joins the King's Council. This would fit with the current ending, and besides Tyrion's death, not contradict it. Yeah. So, yeah, Bran becomes king because the council voted him in. Uh, John kills Danny. John takes the black for some fucking reason. I don't I know like, if he takes the black. I, I think he just goes north. Saying. Yeah, I think it just goes north. I like what some people were saying where they were like, man, what if it pans over to Tyrion and he's like, I vote for Bran, but his eyes are white. <laughs> it pans over yeah, to the I next said that. guy. It was a meme. Are... Yeah. Let me see if I can find it while you're, while you're talking. Just go through that first compilation of spoilers for Game of Thrones episodes 4 through 6. They well, I'm not on that, but uh, I think... Look, just because um, you're not sub to it anymore doesn't mean you can't look. You fuck. Fuck that place. Okay. <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's a lot like of we're people past are the point of theories. It's kind yeah, of, we're not really. It's not really theories at this point, right? It's more like you, you're not. Most people don't like endings. It, it's that's just a fact. If you look through, and I would challenge people to do this because I know a lot of people are upset about. It. I know Monty's upset about it, uh, and if he listens to this podcast, it, people like Monty can take in solace what this means, like. Most people don't like endings to things because endings, we don't want an ending. Endings are, endings are, I think all endings are bittersweet because you, you want an ending to some degree because you don't want to just be left out in the cold. You know, there's a lot of things out there where oh, I mean, it doesn't come do to the an ending end and right. it feels empty. But at the same time, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think some of the best endings are the ones where they are kind of left feeling a little empty. I take The Last of Us for an example. The Last of Us ending is really good. You know, she's you're you're out there, and uh, 
the, the conversation is being had bef- between the two characters and the, the female character, and I'm, I'm just saying this so in case people haven't played it, the female character asks the male character to promise that he's telling the truth, and of course we as the viewer know that he's lying, and he promises he's telling the truth, and she says okay, and it ends there. And you know that he's lying, but it makes you think deeply about why he's lying and, and what real people would do in that situation. And that's a good ending because it leaves it empty. And of course, they got the second game coming up. So that you you have that emptiness there, that that can lead on, but can also just have stopped there. Could have just ended there. Same thing with Metal Gear Solid. You know, Snake's at the graveyard. He's about to shoot himself in the head. He can't do it. You know, Big Boss shows up, having his body been reconstructed. Where we're not going to get into the crazy Kojima stuff, but in terms of the good writing aspects of it. You know, he he sit he take he knows he's gonna die because he knows that there's a second round of fox die that's been put into Snake, a better version of it, and you know he's obviously on the target list because it's being done by this AI trying to eliminate these bad actors as it claims, and uh, he's there knowing he's gonna die because he wants to finally wrap it all up with Snake, who he's who's probably the closest thing he's ever had to a son. And he gives him this whole talk and all this stuff. And it, it really invigorates Snake to go live out the rest of his days in Alaska and just kind of enjoy what he has. Um, and you, you don't see him die on screen. And that kind of, you know, has a little emptiness to it. But at the same time, it's a bit of closure. I think what's happening here in Game of Thrones is you're not getting that. You're, you're going to get some of that emptiness. Well, but you're also going to get some closure. My problem isn't how everything... Or that everything happened. It's how it happened so quickly, and it kind of pisses me off that like HBO was willing to give them more time and more money, and they just wanted to go on and do other things. And we're like, no. And I think the most bullshit comment that the that they make is that, oh, we always knew it was going to be seventy three hours. It ended up being about like fuck that. You didn't start writing the show thinking, yeah, seventy three hours. That's exactly how long we need. Like, well, I mean, George Martin says something interesting in some of his interviews. He says he wants to end it in seven books, as an example. I'm just using this as an example. George says he wants to end it in seven books because, you know, seven kingdoms and seven gods and all that stuff. He says it would be kind of kind of cool. But if it comes down to it, he'll do an eighth book if uh, because what's more important is ending it. And uh, I think they maybe wanted Very to cool end that, on seven you know, seasons. George R. R. Martin is beta testing well. his ending on all of us. But Here's what I will say about the eight seasons. I think maybe they did want to do seven seasons, but I think the mistake they made wasn't going too fast currently. I think it was going too slow in the beginning. You know, season one, I think, is perfectly oh, yeah. paced. It's, it's a, it's a season, mixture of both. I, don't, I yeah. think they did too much in six episodes. I think like 10 episodes yeah, would agree. have been good. 10 would have been better. Absolutely. Even though technically we are getting 10 episodes in terms of runtime, I think it would have been better to span them into 10 episodes just because of the things that you would show. Like, even though, like, for example, it, it makes sense that Daenerys goes fucking crazy and burns everyone. But, I mean, it, it just feels weird because they built it up for seven seasons that she always has that in her, but she would never do something like that. Right? And she's shown through her actions time and time again that she doesn't <laughs> like when innocent people die. And they don't really do a very good job of yes kind no. of building that up and kind of explaining why she did that shit. I say yes and no, I think. Um, there's been plenty of times where Danny has, you know, not really cared about innocent people dying at the behest of her own safety. You think about 
like uh, in Marine when they're in the when they're in the uh, the arena there and she's being attacked and all these innocent people are dying. She's not doing anything to protect them. She doesn't stay there with Drogon and and fight off all of these guys. Yeah, but she also locks her up her people. dragons she for killing away. one child. Yes, because she's pressured into doing it by everyone else. She's pressured into doing that. You know, you look at the face she makes when her own brother's being killed. She doesn't care. Uh, and then you have all these things where, like, Elena's telling her to be the dragon. You know, you got a lot of this stuff where it's like, uh, you know. And the thing is, is, like, they don't really explain why the bell set her off until I honestly the, the think inside the episode thing. Like, yeah, that's the I, kind of I shit you got to put in done, the show. I think they should have done a flashback right there at that moment. I know it's a little cheesy sounding, but I think at that moment they should have done a flashback of her father being killed and the city being attacked and sacked by the Lannisters, you know, when Tywin rode in on his horse. You know, Tywin, I think a lot of people forget, and this has been explained in the series, during Robert's rebellion after, you know, right, right, the, Jamie kills the Mad King right as his father's at the gate. And his father's demanding that the gates be open because at the time, Tywin Lannister is a bannerman for the Targaryens. In fact, he was handed the king until Jamie was made. Uh, I'm not going to get into that, but he was handed the king for the longest time under under Aerys Targaryen, the Mad King, who was only called the Mad King after he was killed. By the way, he wasn't called the Mad King all the time. Yes, he would burn people alive and shit like that, uh, you know, because a, as like a punishment. But uh, you have to understand the whole process. A lot of this is a whole process. So, and I think a lot of people don't make these connections very well. When we learn that Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen were in love with each other and that his marriage was annulled, things start, it really molds things differently from what we know throughout the whole show and even the books up until that point. From that, starting, you know, until that moment, it is believed that she was kidnapped and she was raped and she was held against her will. And Robert Baratheon was this kind and, and noble man who, you know, was supposed to be wedded to her till you combine the Baratheon and Stark houses together. Uh, and, and that, you know, Ned Stark's father and oldest brother went to King's Landing demanding that she be returned under the pretense that she was kidnapped and, and all of that against her will. And that's what started the war um, of Robert's rebellion. Yeah, well, I blame um, Ned Stark if he hadn't convinced Robert Baratheon to not send more assassins after Daenerys. It would have would have been a lot different. <laughs> Well, so hold on a minute, because I'm I'm getting to the point here, which is once we learn that John is the the love child, not the love child, but the legitimate heir to the throne through the process of Rhaegar, Rhaegar and Lyanna being married and an annulment to the marriage and all that shit, it starts. You start to realize that there's no possible way Robert Baratheon couldn't have known that Lyanna did not want him. That's just not how these things go. You start to understand that it's more likely that Lyanna kept giving Robert the cold shoulder and had more of an eye for Rhaegar and that Robert did not like that. And that the whole process of Robert's rebellion began on a lie that was likely started by Robert Baratheon out of greed and jealousy for, for Lyanna Stark. He wanted Lyanna and she didn't want him. And he took it as an opportunity to manipulate people into his side. Now, you know, he came He came to the Starks and said that Lyanna was taken captive and all this stuff and that she was being held against her will. 
And so Ned's father and brother go down to King's Landing and start demanding that this woman be released from Varys, uh, sorry, from Aerys Targaryen, who more than likely knew that Rhaegar and Lyanna were in love with each other. Um, and how dare you come and demand something like that from the king? You know, and that sets off the whole process. So it really comes down to a lot of people that we thought, and, and even we even see like the Ned Stark thing. You know, we're told that Ned was this honorable man that was so honorable that he let his friends stab someone in the back. And instead of like going, hey, that's not cool. We got to nurse this guy back to health and, and help him out because that's, that's the honorable thing to do. He just stabs him. He just ends his life. He, he capitalizes on that backstabbing. So a lot of what we are told, and it's really that concept of history is told by the winners, is a lie or, or some variation of a lie. Even the thing with Jamie, I, I don't think it's really been talked about, and I don't think we'll get a definitive. But I think the whole thing where Jamie's sitting there talking about he did what he did to save King's Landing and the people of King's Landing is a lie. And I think the, the prospect of him going to King's Landing and not trying to save people, but instead trying to get to Cersei as quickly as possible, proves to us that it's a lie, that he was likely doing it for his father and his family, as he's always done since forever. That's what he cares about the most is his family. Sure, he certainly probably has feelings for Brenna, but more than likely, he has more feelings for his family and cares about his family and the, the survival and existence of his family more so, that he's willing to take that risk of dying just to be next to the, the woman he's always loved in her probably what's her biggest moment of need for somebody like him. Now, when we think back on Eris and the overthrown, you have someone who's supposed to be an ally demanding that the gates are open. The, the gates weren't smashed down. There was no siege of King's Landing. Tywin Lannister rode his army into the capital under the pretense that he was there to defend the king, the rightful King Targaryen. And now you can sit here all day and say, what does rightful mean? I mean, it's no different than the argument of like, who really owns North America because Native Americans hurt dirt. It's whoever fucking takes it with the sword. Certainly that is the case. And to, and you know, to some degree that's Targaryens. And to a lot of people watching the show, it means whoever has the throne has gotten there because they deserve it. Right? So if Daenerys comes and takes the throne by force, she fucking deserves it. This idea of like, it's hers by rights, the whole Stannis argument, it's mine by rights, it's fucking stupid. What right gives you the throne? Your brother usurped some people? That's the only right. If you can't take it by force, you don't fucking deserve it. So that's kind of the concept I think that Danny has started to develop. And more so to the point, her, her fucking family was not just... It wasn't like the king was killed and then the children were like, okay, now you live with us or whatever. They systematically tried to eradicate that family. You know, the Martell children, the Rhaegar's two children with the Martell girl were killed by the mountain, directly given order by Ty Tywin Lannister. We all know that's true. I mean, it hasn't been confirmed by Tywin himself. I mean, the mountain said it, and we all know that's true. I mean, the mountain pretty much con confessed to it as he killed... Yeah, as he killed the viper but you know we we run into these situations where these these evil people who were really the evil ones wiped this family out of existence and for what because a girl fell in love with a prince and they got married in secrecy and some jealous man tried to make people believe that she was kidnapped against her will we know that's not true 
And then her whole family is wiped out of existence because of that. And she learns that this truth, by the way, she let's not forget that Danny's not in the dark. She learns the truth that her brother, who supposedly her whole life she was told was a rapist and the murderer and, and kidnapped this girl. And that's why Robert's Rebellion happened. She learns that, no, that's not true. Here in front of me, the man I've fallen in love with is their child. And he's told me that their marriage was annulled, that, that it was a legitimate marriage. And that's his claim to the throne. That means... That the fucking Roberts Rebellion thing was a complete fucking lie. My entire family wiped out from a lie. And she learns that not after, not during Marine or before Marine, but after Marine, after she's come and she's she's here, right there in the crypts of Winterfell, right before the Night King arrives. That's when she learns it. And she has barely any time to put it together. And then we see her in episode five. She's sitting there looking out along the what kind of things is she running through her fucking head as she's sitting there looking out along the bay? And she even tries to have this moment where she's like, no, you know, nobody loves me. What about you, John? And John's like, it's kind of weird because you're my aunt. Is that why they don't really explain why he's all weird? Of course it is because he's been his whole life. It's been a, a big taboo to fuck around with your family to the point that the Lannisters, the entire show have been shit on constantly. Tywin Lannister wanted to have nothing of it, you know, put to bed this ridiculous uh, what does he call it? He, there's, I don't know the quote exactly, but he's he's even talking about you're going to marry. I think he's talking to Cersei at the time. You're going to marry this man, and we're gonna put to bed this ridiculous rumor with you and your brother, right? Like that's a that's a scar on his family name that his children are fucking each other, and that the children that Cersei had are from incestual relation. Like the Targaryens used to do it certainly, but most people in Westeros frowned upon it. You know, the Targaryens were still kind of seen as not northerners and not those types of people. And, you know, people in the south don't do good in the north and people in the north don't do good in the south. There's always been this divide there. And the north has always had this value of incest is wrong. You know, it's that old God religion thing. Even the new gods, the seven, have, you know, it was that... what was it? Uh, Lancel and Cersei. Cersei's walk of shame was because of she had she had done incestuous acts with her brother. So this whole fucking kingdom, this whole countryside, has been always having a negative effect on that. So it's it's absolutely difficult for him, uh, knowing that it's his aunt. It's it's weird for him. I don't think most people would think it's weird, but this is Jon Snow we're talking about. You know, I mean, you gotta kind of put it in perspective. If <laughs> it's difficult, right? Because you're finding out that this really hot chick that you're banging is your aunt. <laughs> it's really difficult. You're about the same age as her. It's really difficult to imagine just being able to call that off completely because what most people know what love is and how that affects people. But for John, he's supposed to be this really noble guy that, you know, is very serious. I mean, he still kisses her. I think that when he kisses her, that should be enough, but it's not enough for her because for some, you know, she's doing that stupid woman thing where it's like, you don't kiss me like you used to. Bitch, I kissed you. <laughs> what do you want? You want me to go do that thing with my tongue right now? <laughs> Jesus, fuck. <laughs> We're about to go to war. <laughs> you know. But she even says rage or fear. Fear. I think fear is what I'm going to have to use. So, I, you know, I mean, obviously she goes too far and we're supposed to see that as the viewer. We're supposed to be Tyrion in that moment with our mouth agape. You know, what the fuck? Is she doing? Absolutely, that's what we're supposed to do. But at the same time, I'm not. It's not justify what she's doing. But at the same time, I don't think it's coming out of nowhere. I think there's a lot of things that people don't pick up on 
And it just simply because it's not written in crayon for people. I, I there are there when you when it comes to taking in movies and film and television and, and books, you have to be able to look a little deep. And sometimes that's not going to be right away. And it's understandable that people are like, what the fuck? And they let their emotions drive them in the heat of the moment. But you're supposed to step back and, and let the emotion flow away and I'll let the rationality and the logic come over you because emotion drowns those things out. You know, that even, even in our politics and everything else we talk about day to day, emotion is, it's really kind of a sin, uh, like one of those ancient cardinal sins of something you're not supposed to let control you because emotion is what leads you to cheat on your wife or emotion is what leads you to make brash decisions in the heat of a moment that you'll regret later, right? Emotion is what Daenerys allowed to overwhelm her in that moment that let her fucking burn people, you know, and John is able to suppress his emotions and try to hold people back. Um, and then he strikes down Lannister soldier out of fear for his life. The emotions are very powerful. And that's most of our writing and our literature, our different literatures and entertainments have to do with emotion and the struggles that humans have with emotions all the time. And I think it's important that <laughs> I know it's difficult. I'm not going to say that I don't have times where emotion sits on me and, and blocks out my ability to reason. I like to consider myself as somebody that can be reasonable in the moment, but sometimes anger and frustration and even doubt as an emotion. <clears throat> you know, I'm watching that, that episode and I'm doubting these leaks. And, you know, they start happening and it gets me to kind of enjoy the episode a little bit less to some degree because I, you know, I don't think if I, if I, I think if I would have went into that not knowing the leaks, I wouldn't have had that situation happen where I would have enjoyed the episode yeah, less. Yeah, as soon as uh, Tyrion mentions bells, you're like, oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> and it really affects you because, and I don't think it's even, because. Even the, Davos said in like because, season four or something like, I've never known bells to mean surrender or something. It's like. Right. You can't so, pretend that you can't cherry pick the shit in the past. And be like, oh, see, really, it was setting it up. And then other shit completely contradicts it. I really think that by going into these episodes, knowing some small degree without context, it really affects how you come out of the episode. Of course. I mean, why wouldn't it? And I think people heard about the bells making her crazy so much that they automatically assume that's what's happening. I don't think the bells have anything really to do with it. People want to sit here and have these long winded things I mean, about the episode is called the bells. I know, but I think people want to have these concept of the bells being what triggers her. I think the I think it's just the moment where she, like Dan and Dave says, she takes it personal. She doesn't want it to stop there. You know, even the actress that plays Danny, Amelia Clark, talks about this in one of her like interview things where she doesn't talk about it taking it personal. She talks about like this is her being angry and all this pent up rage and frustration. And there's the enemy in front of her in the keep. And this idea that she just gets to get away with it. All these things she did. She just killed her best friend. You know, all these people just get to get away with all the things they've done, even the stuff they've done to her family. I mean, this is the, this girl's family is sitting in this red keep now where her family was supposed to be her whole life. She was supposed to this girl. And you have to consider this as and you, it's very amusing. In the real world constantly put it point at minority groups and say look how hard these people have it shouldn't they have something given to them or shouldn't they be ex respected more because of it and then as soon as danny is in a similar situation they're like well that's fucked up what do i mean by a similar situation here's a girl that should have been raised with a silver spoon in her mouth she should have got to grow up in this city this is the first time she's been in king's landing 
since she was a little girl. And, and in the books, she wasn't even born yet or some shit. Like, this is, this is some shit where she should have got to know this life that Cersei has got to know, where she's constantly getting to be in charge of her destiny. She doesn't have to worry about men trying to rape her because she has these soldiers at her back. She, you know, all of these different things that she should have got to have, but she didn't because this bitch's family came in and took that from her. And she had to go through all the shit she went through being raped by a Dothraki leader because her brother sold her off for some fucking horses. Like, think about that. That's the kind of shit she had to go through. And she didn't get it given to her. She reached down and grabbed it for herself. She did a lot of that shit on her own. A lot of the big moments, like her acquiring the Unsullied, uh, is her doing. Not Jorah's or Sir Barristan or anything like that. It's her doing. And just, just so she could come here and fight this army of the dead and lose most of her people and then watches this bitch cuts her friend's head off just so she can surrender a few moments later, like, that's all it fucking took? I fly this dragon across and destroy these fucking things, and then now you want to surrender? Why didn't you surrender when you had my friend standing next to you, you piece of shit, right? Like, that's, that's the mentality you got to get yourself into. Is it a great mentality? No, but that's, <clears throat> it's certainly, I think, not out of nowhere. I don't agree to any degree that, it, that it's out of nowhere. Like, it's very easy to put yourself in her mindset and become kind of the piece of shit that would burn a lot of people. Like, it's very easy. Uh, you know, I mean, imagine you're somebody that you love and care for, your significant other or something. But is, why, why not just fucking burn the people responsible? Like, you know, the red keep, destroy that. I don't get why she it, goes it's fucking It's not that shit. simple. Because it's not that simple. The people are part of it for her. For her, she takes it personal. The people had something. The people didn't... I mean, how many people... Again, we talk about the Marine thing. The, the slaves of Marine rose up against their masters and took the city for her. She didn't have to... She didn't have to fire a single bullet or arrow or whatever you want to call it in in terms of like metaphorical like she just stood back while they took the city and then these people they don't do anything they do nothing she, they see that she has dragons they know that she's a real targaryen they do nothing but expect things to be handed to them so she kind of has a bit of hatred for them she probably doesn't even like them <laughs> but I think that's compounded by what Jamie says when he's talking to Tyrion. You know, I don't even care for these people. You know that. Cersei doesn't care about these people. You know, I think it's hinted at a lot. It's talked about a lot. Jamie, uh, Tyrion walks up to the wall and says, you know you don't care about these people. And then Jamie even says it when he's talking, I don't care about these people, only Cersei. I'm just going to go to her. You know? and, and then I think Tyrion's even going to double down on that during his trial or whatever, where he says these people deserved it. I think that's going to be a thing. And going back to even Tyrion saying that during his trial when he was, you know, in front of Tywin and the rest of them, these people, I wish I would have killed these people. I wish I'd be the monster these people think I am. I saved them and I wish I hadn't, you know. Like, that's a big theme through the whole show that the people of King's Landing don't deserve it. But that, of course, that's from the people that aren't heroes. None of these people that say that are heroes. That's the commonality between them. Cersei, Jaime, Tyrion. These aren't good. Tyrion's not a great guy. <laughs> like, he's not a great guy. I mean, certainly he's not an evil person. And his, he's got a bit of a redemption arc with his storyline that has held true where his sister and his brother and even Daenerys has not. 
but we see John. John is the counterpart to that. John is the 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 guy that's supposed to be the good guy, along with Arya, you know, trying to save everybody, trying to stop when they're surrendering, that kind of shit. That's just how it is. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I think the major point is that uh, Danny's always been willing to do things like this. But more to the point, she's not a child of Westeros. She's a child of Essos. She's an outsider. These aren't oh, her people. Oh, was she born there? I thought she was still born in Westeros. Even if she was born in Westeros, she was born in uh, uh, the the castle that she rules. The what do you call it? Storm's End. Dragonstone. Uh, Dragonstone. Yeah, that's where she was born. That's why she's Daenerys Stormborn. Uh, <clears throat> she grew up in Essos. Like she's been there since she was a child. She was taken away as a baby, like a small child, like maybe two, three years old, something like that, maybe four. Like that's the only amount of time she spent in Westeros. And then the rest of it has been in Essos. So these aren't really her people in her mind, you know? And you're talking about she comes from Essos where people are just generally better people. Yes, there's a bunch of slavers over there. Uh, and she kills a lot of slavers. And it's easy to look at, it's easy to look at, these aren't combatants, you know, she hangs, she, she has all the slavers of Marine crucified on the crucifixion road, okay? Now, this is the problem with that. These aren't soldiers. The slavers aren't soldiers. Certainly they have soldiers working under them, but they're citizens just like anybody else. There's a lot of these slavers just like the, uh, the guy that she hooks up with when she's there, his father didn't crucify people. He talks about it. My father never crucified people. My father was just a citizen that lived here and was wealthy, so he owned slaves, which is, which is common in Essos. Slavery is not looked down upon here. It's common here. You know, he had, We have house servants that we feed and, and stuff like that. And It's easy for people to go, slavery bad, it's just blanket, black and white. Slavery is bad. Uh, but then indentured servitude isn't necessarily a negative. You know, my wife comes from Malaysia. When I went to Malaysia, they have a, they have a woman that lives there with them. She's from Indonesia, where it's a poorer country, and she lives with her with my wife's family there. She's a nice lady. Uh, she gets along with the family really well. They all treat her like a family member. But what is she? She lives there. She doesn't, and she gets you know, to live there and eat and all of that. And what she do, she cleans and she, she cooks and she gets to enjoy a better life there in Malaysia. And, you know, what's really any different from some of these people in Marine that had some of these people living with them like that? There's not much different there. And we want to look at slavery as just bad. Because, well, they never really explain it, it's if not it's really like that. Is it forced slavery or is it actually voluntary indentured servitude? Well, a lot of it's forced slavery, but there's a lot of these kids that don't have families. You know, Grey Worm talks about this. Grey Worm says, I don't have it. When it, You can go back and watch the scene where he, she has them pick their names. Grey Worm chooses Grey Worm because it's his lucky name. The name he was born with was unlucky. He got put in slavery because of that, right? But he says he doesn't have a family. And Masande is, is even, even says she doesn't have family. Uh, so, you know, Danny's like, what will you do? Now that you're free, stuff like that. Do you have a family? She's like, I don't have a family. So a lot of this is just children, and they're taken into slavery as children that probably wouldn't. I'm not saying it's good, but at the same time, it's not all going to be bad. Some of these kids are going to get picked up by good people with good intentions who are just living their lives in the 
society that's accepted. You know, it's it's kind of like flat flat Earth versus not flat Earth. It's it's a thing to joke about it today, but in all seriousness, you know, if we're just going to condemn people for the things that were common in the past and not seen as a moral wrong, that's that's silly. You know, everybody used to believe that the Earth was flat. Today, we laugh at people that think the Earth is flat because we think how fucking silly is that. But if we were to laugh at people that thought the Earth was flat back then, that's kind of being a dick because they they had no way of knowing. Now, certainly in terms of morality, you know, looking back at slavery and, and the concepts of slavery, a lot of people were living based off of only what they knew. And what a lot of people knew was their Bibles or their religious texts, which had a lot of justification of slavery in it and things like that. So it's easy to sit here today in our modern times and say, yeah, slavery is bad no matter what. And then look back on a show like Game of Thrones and go, slavery bad, slavery bad, 100% across the board. Daenerys was killing slavers. They deserved it. But did they? Were they not citizens as well? Were they not civilians that didn't have swords? They didn't pick up swords and fight. They were just citizens, and she crucified them. So there's plenty of examples, I think, of her, and even more so in the books, but there's plenty of examples where she was, she was the way she was. I think even in the show, when she shows up to Karth, she doesn't have an army. She has nothing but three little baby dragons. She shows up to Karth and wants to come in, but they don't let people in just, just easily. And she even tells them right there, listen, when my dragons are grown and I have an army, I will burn cities to the ground and yours will be the first. She tells him that, the Spice King. That was a fucking <laughs> lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, she ends up getting led into the city and then locks him away in a fucking vault, but, you know, <laughs> uh, locks the guy that helped her in, in a vault. But she's she's always been like that she's always thrown her weight around like that and man i mean the first thing she did when she got armies was what sit out front sit outside in front of uh cities demanding things what, what, did, what did she come to with uh once she took the insulate? she stole the unsullied like straight up she didn't make a fair trade she isn't some good person that made a fair trade she offered a dragon she had no money she offered a dragon and instead she stole them and she she conveniently put that under the guise of, I'm freeing these slaves. Look, everybody, I'm freeing slaves. <laughs> like, that's what she did. She, she burned the Kalisar alive so that she could what? Was that so she could just get out of there or be free? Or was it so that she could manipulate the situation with the help of Jorah and, uh, and Darian to, uh, to get these people to follow her? She's manipulative. That's what she's always been. She's a manipulative bitch. And she learned from her brother growing up with him. I mean, she's, a, she's like 16 in the books, but in the show, she's probably older than that because of reasons. Yeah, well, everyone's fucking older than they are in she's, the books. She's been Dunn there. Snow's like 12 or even, something when he goes and takes in, the black. Even in the books, she's been in Essos with her brother for a long time before these things start happening. So she's learned from just watching him. Uh, and she, you know, you see how frail she is in the beginning of the show. And she really starts to kind of do that wake the dragon thing. You know, when, she, when, when he dies, he's no. Only a, she's like a dragon cannot die by fire or something like that. Or yeah, whatever. well, I'm pretty sure if you poured fucking molten fucking gold over her head she'd die too i don't think it has Probably. much to do with the heat and more to do Probably. with the the fucking <laughs> yeah. metal 
that's probably that's probably true. Uh, but I think that it's important and it's difficult for people to put their emotion aside. And people are still being emotional about it. You got to put it aside and let your rationale and your your logic kind of direct you by remembering stuff. I think uh, an important thing that people can do is rewatch this. And I mean, show. it doesn't for me. It has nothing to do with that. I mean. Like I said, I I get all that stuff. It just didn't feel right seeing it happen that quickly. I mean, I agree, but I also think that it's the whole listen, you know I'm, show people don't tell them. I'm a hundred percent. And I think if you're gonna you. take ten years worth of content and be like, see, we showed you, you gotta like throw back to it a little bit before you do something. I guess like I'm that. I'm eighty percent agreeing with you. And yes, they have these stupid little previously on bullshit that don't do a good enough job. And I agree with you. There needs like I said, well, and they also rely too much on that inside the episode shit, explaining shit after yeah. the fact. It's like explain it in the show. Well, I agree. I agree with that, and I do agree with you mostly about how how quickly it was done. But I also was one of the people that said shit like, "Oh man, the, the episodes one through three of Star Wars, uh, the turning of Darth Vader is just too sudden and abrupt." But when you go back and watch it again, you really start to realize, "Well, oh, this is the Emperor's been fucking with him since the first one." Like it's you know. Yeah, well, there were people out there who didn't realize that the Emperor was the Emperor throughout the first two fucking... It's like, come on, like his name is Palpatine. Hello? Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of people that didn't watch the first three uh, also. They were 1970s, right? Yeah, or they just didn't know his name. Right, they didn't know his name, they just knew the Emperor. I don't think they actually call him Palpatine in the originals at all. Uh, Maybe not, I don't know. It might be some book stuff or something like that. They may say it once or twice, Emperor Palpatine. You know, something like that, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, man, but maybe not a hundred percent. I do think that the show has shown a lot of it, but I am with you that maybe there should have been another season or at least maybe the previous season should have went a little faster to kind of set people in that. And I mean, I understand they want to get off and do their fucking star Wars trilogy and everything, but yeah, that's a cop. That's kind of fucking bullshit that you're going to sacrifice what you're working on now for your fucking series in the future. Like if that's the case, then gracefully take your leave and pass it off to someone else. You know? Right. I agree. Don't end it. Pass it to someone else. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I I get it. And yeah, no one wants to see it end, but there's a lot of different ways that it could have ended better. And I know you think that George Martin's going to end it pretty much the same way, but I don't know if he is now. And I don't know if that's, you know, he had planned it that way or now that he's seeing the reaction of people to the shows that he's going to change it at this point. But I guess in uh, 20 years, we'll know. No, nah, George Martin <laughs> is, is not going to change it. He's already said in interviews and he's already talked about it plenty of times. This is, this is the way the books are going to go. There's, there's going to be some differences. Like you're not going to see Barrick, you know, protecting Arya so that she could go kill the Night King, but you probably will see Arya kill the Night King. It may not be in a moment like that. You may not see Reek there to defend Bran at the last minute. You know, uh, what HBO has taken the liberty of and what D&D have taken mm-hmm. the liberty of is certain characters that they can do. Like, I've, to- I've talked about this before. Like, uh, in the book, Sansa does not get married to Ramsay it's a girl that is supposedly Arya. Like they all believe it's Arya because most of these people haven't seen Arya before. Uh, so this girl is being paraded around by Littlefinger, I think it is, to be Arya. And that's part of his ploy against the Boltons. He doesn't actually sell Sansa off to them. 
So any arc that Sansa had with Ramsay Bolton is actually being done in the books with some no-name character, really. Essentially a no-name character, not some big character. But the show wants you to the show wants to tell you those stories with a and, and they have to use a big character because if they just introduce some random character that ends up dying, you're not gonna care about that character. They want you to have you know, when you read the book, it's chapters and chapters and chapters of this kind of shit happening. When you watch it in the show, it's a couple episodes, maybe a, maybe like six, eight episodes or something tops of this kind of stuff happening to this character. And so you can't do that with a no-name character. You have to do that with a character you care that the audience cares about, or you're not going to get that same feeling as you do in the book where you're concerned about this character. Because when you read a book, any character can be a big-time character. Anybody could, you know. Um, and when you certainly sit here and read about this character that's being called Arya, um, you might be concerned about it at first. You might think that it's actually Arya and get attached to this character. And then when you learn it's not, you, you know, you learn that it's some like girl that's, you know, super whatever, right? Like, it's, it, there's a lot of different things that go on in the book that the show has told us don't really go anywhere. There's a kid claiming to be Amon, Aegon Targaryen or Amon Targaryen, whatever his name is. One of the children that was supposedly killed during the Robert's Rebellion by the mountain. He claims that he's got the, you know, and that's kind of a thing between him and Daenerys. You know, it's a, it's a little plot point in the book for Daenerys to have to deal with this guy claiming to have rights to the throne. And I think about how much more impactful that will be when she comes across to Westeros and finds out that Jon is legitimately an heir. She's already dealt with that before. And that's probably something that will help you understand her fall from grace even better in the books. But you can't do that in a TV show. You can, uh, but you just need more time to do it. Well, you can, but yeah, you'd need a whole lot more time to do that, and that's something they didn't want to mess with. They didn't want to mess with that arc uh, because clearly it goes nowhere. Clearly, he's not actually an a he's not actually a Targaryen. That's what it tells us book readers. Uh, so it's a little bit of a spoiler in that regard. But uh, I, I think uh, I don't know. We got prequels that's supposed to come about and shit like that, and maybe it'll be kind of like a Lord of the Rings thing where the Hobbit adds more. Uh, depth to Lord of the Rings itself, you know. Uh, certainly, Game of Thrones can be contained as a story of Jon Snow. I think that's important that people understand that. It's difficult to look at Game of Thrones and go, yeah, there's seriously a main character here. I think Game of Thrones throws characters at you that you think are main characters, but they're not. And that's the beauty of it, I believe, is the way it's written by George. In, even in the books where it follows a lot of different characters that die, like Catelyn Stark is a POV character, and uh, all these other characters that end up dying. Uh, you really, when you look back on it, you can realize that it's a song of ice and fire. That's the name of the books. And it's a song of ice and fire. It's, it's Jon Snow. You know, he's a Targaryen and he's a Stark. Ice and fire. You know, that is his song. And that's, that's what this book is. It's a song of ice and fire. And the song is Jon Snow's song. So it's all about Jon Snow and what he has to deal with. And a lot of it has to, do, you know, there's a lot of context to it. Normally in something like that, you'd only be following from Jon Snow's perspective. And sometimes the reader or the viewer would get to see something that Jon Snow doesn't get to. Well, Game of Thrones does that a lot. Game of Thrones puts a lot of shit in context about things that are going to relate to Jon Snow. So I think that's what's important to come at this with. I, Danny is not a hero. Danny is not 
a main character. Danny is an influence, a force that is being acted upon <clears throat> Jon Snow, and that's going to change his character to some degree. Right? So I think that's the interesting thing about Game of Thrones is it's something that we've never really seen before being done like that. Um, <clears throat> normally it'd be very apparent that Danny isn't really a main character and that she's just there as a love interest for John and also somebody that has a big effect on him. You know, similar to Ygritte, you know, uh, if you look back on Ygritte was more apparent. A lot of people thought Ygritte was going to be a main character and were surprised when she dies. Uh, you know, to the degree that, and, and you could see where, what she was really, when you look back on it, you see what she was meant to do. Her purpose was to make John a better person. You know, he goes north of the wall. He finds love in these people that have been vilified to him this whole time. He falls in love with this woman uh, to the point where she dies in his arms and he probably wishes he could take some of it back. But he stayed true to his honor and his word as a night's watchman all the way to the end. And he probably regrets that to some degree, but he learned from it and he grew from it as a character. And that's what a story is. It's, it's following a character and and developing that character. And sometimes characters around them have a little bit of development, but it's not about them. You know, I think that's important. It's like Final Fantasy games. Final Fantasy games are really about a main character. And then there are the side characters or the, the, uh, <clears throat> the support characters is what you would call them. Certainly they have their own stories and some of them survive and have good endings. And some of them grow and learn from things. And that's what's good about Final Fantasy games is you get a lot of character growth on all these different characters that you might like. But not all of them are going to be what you want them to be. And I think that's important. I think people assume that Daenerys was the main character of this show. And I think that's just a ruse that George Martin has put into place where he doesn't want you to know what the main character is because he doesn't want you to think that one person, any one person is protected or, or going to be safe all, right. all the time. Well, what do you think about the what's probably going to come to pass based on the leaks? Like, do you think uh, John going north and Bran being king or leader of the council or whatever is a is a good idea? Well, I don't have a degree in writing, and I'm not a writer, but I do think I can write good stories. I mean, I think most people do, but me personally, of course, I think I can write good stories, and I think I could write a little bit better of an ending to that. I think it would be better to have Bran go turn into a tree or something you know or maybe he does that maybe maybe that's the whole point is you know we have all these weirwood trees up north because they still respect that religion and then this this seven gods thing has been kind of destroyed by cersei and maybe that's what's going to happen maybe bran eventually turns into a tree what about maybe last maybe minute comebacks kind of do you think that stannis is really dead do you think that the night oh, yeah, king is going to show up at the end I would love to see the Night King. I know a lot of people don't want that, but I would love to see something where it's like, you know, the whole Azura High prophecy wasn't about this iteration. And I like the idea that the, the Lord of Light and the Great Other are constantly battling each other and picking champions every cent several centuries or something like that to fight against each other. And 8,000 years ago, the Lord of Light was losing for a long period of time against the, the Great Other. And then, you know, the, the Earth the world birthed the champion that the Lord of Light chose and guided his, whatever, his destiny into defeating the Night King and pushing him back. And I like the idea that the Night King is just either a champion or maybe regenerates or something like that, or, and that there is going to be Azra High reborn one day, and he comes back and, and 
you know, creates. What if John stabs Danny and the sword comes out or the dagger, right? Because people are saying that the dagger could be Lightbringer too. I've heard talks about blue fire or something like that in some of the leaks. I mean, that could be the case too. And he goes north and they end it there. and, And you have to sit here with this presumption that, oh, well, it's not over against the army of the dead. I do think that it would be cool to kind of show whether John is Azura High or not. I do think it would be cool to not make this sh- this show about the White Walkers. I think it's better that it's about John specifically and everything he has to deal with up until his moment of becoming a hero or just fading off into nothingness. Like I- either John goes north of the Wall, and you just presume for the rest of his life he kind of like in Rage, you know, he kind of becomes that that guy, that old man that just sits on the chair and has done all his work, and now he's just living out his life, and nobody really knows where he is. Or- I guess the solid Something snake like ending. Right, the solid snake ending. What about the uh what about the or, white or, horse at the end of the last episode? Azura High, and once he's Azura High, there's no more development necessary for the character. He's basically the hero character. And then you just presume that he goes on and, and saves the world from darkness north of the wall. Uh, but I do think that in that ending it would be really cool to have some kind of flashback to show us that the Night King's not defeated completely or that another champion could be observed or something and i i know that george has gone on record saying he would he'll never do anything like this again because he never expected a song of ice and fire to be as long as it is you know and uh it's very taxing and difficult and he likes writing single like smaller stories like he used to do in the past and has done before in on his breaks from a song of ice and fire but um i i do like the idea that just like lord of the rings this will spawn many other things that can come about, you know, uh, stuff to come in the future, maybe like, you know, a future Game of Thrones video game or movie or show or whatever, where Bran has been king for a long time. And now now in King's Landing, there's no throne room. There's just like an, an area where the throne room was is like an outdoor garden type thing. And Bran is now a fucking tree with a face on it. And they just always consult with him or whatever like that. I think that would be really cool. John is north of the wall as this old grizzled hero that wears like, you know, the shadowed cloak and you don't know who he is and shit. So, you know, <laughs> I think that would be cool. What about really the, what about Arya's white horse though? What was the meaning of that? Man, I don't know. Deus Ex Machina. At first, at first I was thinking that like, maybe it was Daenerys's horse, you know, like she had that white horse in season one. Yeah. DSX Machina, man. I don't know what it, what it all is she, means. Is she the prince that was promised? I really hope they do wrap things up in this episode. That's what I really hope. I really hope well, I'm yeah, not been saying that with a the lot whole fucking of season. questions. Uh, I really hope that it's wrapped up. I really hope it's not the last 15 minutes as Bran is chosen as king and Arya decides to leave and Jon goes north. Like I hope that's not how they do it. I hope there's a lot of explanation. I mean, you don't want to do too much explanation or it becomes boring, but I hope there's a lot of... I don't expect all the plots to be wrapped up. I mean, pretty much all of them are, you know. Um, really, when you think about it, there's not a lot of plots left to wrap up. Everybody's saying Arya sails west of Westeros because it's been talked about before that people have asked, what is west of Westeros? Uh, and nobody's come back from west, west of Westeros, so maybe... To the west is better shit. Maybe it's a fucking kraken that just swallows you. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> you think they'll do I a think... flash forward and kind of do like a montage of like this is where all these people ended up? 
you know, I think it's going to be surreal when it ends and people aren't going to be super happy with it. I probably won't be super happy with it, but after thinking about it for a little while, I think it'll be a good ending regardless of what happens, unless they just come out of left field with some shit. I really think that even if Danny doesn't die and sits on the throne and John gets exiled to the North, I think that's a good ending. I mean, there's a lot of good ways they can take this. I think that's pretty bittersweet. I think what you expect is Danny to die and the big evil to be dealt with. And John goes North of the wall and there's a council and everything. And that I, honestly, I think that's a little too Disney brand being King and all these council members and Danny dies and the dragon just flies away and isn't a threat anymore. Flies to Valyria, old Valyria with her body for no reason at all. And is just gone. And John goes North of the wall and lives with the free folk. And Sansa is the lady of Winterfell and Arya just goes off doing Arya things somewhere. Like it's, it's a little too Disney for me, man. <laughs> like honestly, it's a little too Disney. It's a little close to John and Danny fucking sit on the iron throne together. It's a little too much close to that. I, I would love to see Danny survives, but she sits on the throne as the white queen of ash or whatever, and has her dragon. And with her current mentality that we know how she is, rules over Westeros like that and John goes north of the wall to escape her and to escape that not because he's running from a trial but because she loves him and is willing to let him outcast himself north so that he can't claim any title to her throne because remember if you take the black you can't claim titles there's no titles I mean that makes sense that that's what he's gonna do and I I still don't think it makes sense that he can take the black when there's really no night's watch anymore like what's the night's watch watching for yeah. Plus, uh, I mean, your um, your watch ends when you die, and yeah, he died. But that's probably what they're gonna do. They're gonna do like I take the black, and then I can't have any titles or lands or whatever, and goes north. But I'd love to see that happen with Daenerys still being alive and Tyrion being on her hand of the king, and these people pretty much just kind of being at her mercy. I think that's a better, bittersweet ending, where yes, these characters you like survive but not in the way that you were hoping they would and Sansa is forced to bend the knee you know and or, or maybe they don't even get to that maybe Sansa is just there and you know there's going to be conflict between Sansa and Daenerys at some point and that's something you always have in the back of your mind forever unless they ever do a sequel or you just have to take it as the way you want in your head canon you know Arya, Arya flees Westeros because she doesn't want to be under this queen but she doesn't go to Essos because that's you know whatever so she goes west I mean, these are all things that I think would be a good way to handle it. And then you, you kind of have this headcanon of like John becomes king beyond the wall or something. And one day maybe comes south with his free folk. <laughs> like, that's, I don't know. He's got a massive fucking beard. It's probably going to happen the way the leaks go. But I, I think I could write it a little better in that way. To be Because I think the, even with the leaks, it's still a little bit. I do think the throne gets melted. I don't think she doesn't get to sit on the throne. It doesn't make sense that in the preview she walks out of the keep, but she never sat on the throne while she was in the keep. Why wouldn't she? Why would she do that? You gonna tell me she never sits on it? Maybe she never sits on it in that she has Drogon burn it. Like maybe she's standing there and John's in there with her and Drogon burns it or something. I don't fucking. Know. I don't know how they're gonna fit Drogon in that fucking red keep there. It's, yeah, whatever. <laughs> We'll see how it goes, I guess, tonight. In three hours. Yeah, I'm going to order Chinese food and Chinese depression food. eat. 
I might get a milkshake or something. Oh, right. I said I was going to get a milk. Well, I can order from Postmates so I can have them get all my shit and then also a milkshake from somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, your wife's not going to be there for it, right? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Afterwards, I'll be on Facebook. So I can pop in Discord, too. It's not a problem. It might be hot as fucking balls. Hopefully, it'll be cooling off by then. It's already hitting peak heat right now. No, I mean, I'm just... When I take Sundays off, I do the podcast, but I don't play... I don't play games or anything. Yeah, whatever, man. It's my mental day of rest where I just lay on the couch like a fat sack of shit and just eat food and (laughs) pet my cats. (laughs) I need some me time. (laughs) People severely underestimate the value of downtime. You're one of those people that works all the time? Stop. Stop. It is a nice little irony to to have the kid that started it all with this whole War of the Five Kings pushed out of a fucking, you know, he's always being told by his mother not to climb things and not to, it's basically his mom telling him not to have big goals or aspirations. And then he becomes a cripple and goes through this whole journey and becomes basically a living demigod and gets the throne. It, it is a little ironic, I guess. It's a bit of irony there that he's the one that sits on the throne because if it wasn't for him being pushed out of that tower, none of this shit would have happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> well, there's a lot of shit like that, like with Ned and if he hadn't done the things he did, I mean, that's, that's kind of how it works. Well, I think a whole lot of it falls on brand because you know, the prospect of that causes brand to go North of the wall and he gets marked by the night King, which is the only reason why the night King comes South. Uh, I mean, you can make the argument that Night King had no intention of going south if it wasn't for Bran. Um, See, but that's another thing. It's like, okay. Bran, what a wasted opportunity. Like, what does that mark mean other than he can go into that cave where the last Three-Eyed Raven was? He knows where he's at at all, at all times. That's, yeah, that's but what so what? Said. Well, I mean, you know, he wants to kill him. Right, but he could have just fucking marched south and killed everyone and maybe found found Bran along the way, but like, why is he specifically going after Bran? Because he wants to kill the the Three-Eyed Raven. The Three-Eyed Raven brought Bran north only because he felt the need that there always should be a Three-Eyed Raven. Maybe there does there need to be, really? I mean, what what does that even mean? Yeah, exactly. They don't explain. Well, we'll we'll learn about that, I think, in the prequel. I think the prequel is going to touch on that very heavily because it's called The Long Night and it has to do specifically with the White Walkers. And this is a show that's going to be about the White Walkers. So I think, you know, for people that were wanting more of that, that's where that's going to be. This, is, this show has been about Jon Snow, 100%. 100% it's been about Jon Snow and all the people that are connected to him or have an influence on him. And, you know, in a weird way, we followed characters, like I said, that probably shouldn't have been followed in a normal sto- standard storytelling environment. But I think that's what makes it great. You follow Ned Stark for all of season one, and you think it's about him, but it's about Jon Snow, this bastard that's going north of the wall to take the, take the black, you know? Uh, and then Ned gets killed, and you're like, what the fuck? And then Rob Stark jumps up, and you're like, oh, it's Rob. Rob's been the one the whole time. And then he does what the fuck? Is it Danny? I guess? Danny's been alive all the way till the end. Nope. Psych. It's Jon, bitch. <laughs> it's this bastard nobody that happened to be the chosen one. I mean, I think most people didn't really care about John until around season four, season five. You know, I think nobody really cared about him till that point. He wasn't really a, a favorite character. I think most people had Tyrion after season two, right? I think 
people liked Tyrion a little bit, but he was not really seen as this great character until around season two, and you start following him through with all that in King's Landing uh, with his protection of Sansa and all that. And people didn't like the Hound at first until he started protecting Arya, and then and even the point where Arya gets taken by the Hound and, and he's kind of seen as a piece of shit up until you start to realize he actually cares for this girl uh, and he's funny and a great character. So I think the, the beauty of this show is that it circumvents all the expectations that you normally have. And I think people just naturally want to latch on to whatever characters are left and go, this is the main character, this is the main character, this is my favorite. But I, I, I remind people... Stop picking favorites in, in Game of Thrones. It's, it will do you no good. I mean, it's easy to pick a, pick a favorite now on the last episode, right? That's easy. But I think people picking favorites is re what really got them in trouble. And people have always had this, you know, people want to make a big deal about this ending. Like, oh my God, never has the Game of Thrones community been like that. Yes, they have. Go back to the Red Wedding. I mean, if you can find archives on the internet, there's people that say, I'm not watching this show anymore. It's bullshit. They just kill characters for the sake of killing them. Like, people have said this all the time. It makes no sense. Why would Walter Frey do that? It's against the rules of inviting people into your house. You know, all these fucking things people say all the time. Why would Catelyn Stark run up there and grab her like that when she could have survived? Like, blah, blah, oh, blah, Oh, this is blah. the first time I've actually just been surprised by something a character has done that kind of goes against what they've kind of set up. It's like, Walter Frey... You could have been surprised at what happened at the Red Wedding, but that totally fits with his character, right? Daenerys, I mean, you got to read pretty deep into it. And even then, it's you not because like, she's been battling the whole time between being a good person and fucking I murdering people. I think she's been manipulative the whole time. And it's hard to see when a woman's being manipulative like that, or a man for that fact, like when they're really fucking good at it. Uh, she's gotten really good at manipulation. I don't even think she really loves John as much as she claims she does. Uh, maybe, I mean, I could see maybe John, but I don't know her people. She threw, she threw her Dothraki away. She doesn't give a fuck, man. She doesn't care. I'm surprised she didn't roast some of her own men. She probably did. Well, she did in the battle with the Night King. In the, in the battle with the Night King, she definitely did that. There are some scenes where some unsullied get, uh, hit by fire or something like that. Or I might I might be thinking about something else, like back when Drogon showed up or something. Well, we'll see. And then next week we'll have probably the final Game of Thrones focus podcast. I do want to say one last thing, real quick. I think the the overall morality of the story, the the moral of the story, is that I think. This is George kind of picking nurture over nature because, you know, the whole th there's a big theme where it talks about how, you know, they say it a lot. Every time a Targaryen is born, the world holds its breath. Uh, and you have Viserys, who was a bad guy, and Daenerys is now apparently also got that madness to some degree. And Eris had that madness. And, you know, for all we know, it could just be a line going back. And then you hear about Rhaegar and how good he was. And then you have John, who has also got that blood in him. But John was raised by Ned and Northerners. And so I think that's the real morality of the story is that, you know, it's it's not about who you are. It's about who you become, something like that, you know. 
it's the it's the uh it's like a saying that i heard once which is uh um there's no such thing as evil people there's only there's darkness in everyone but it's how you act upon that darkness that makes you a good or bad person and i think that's being applied here with daenerys and john being complete opposites of the same coin that they keep talking about you know john has that darkness in him clearly he's done some fucked up things before uh but he acts in a good way on his on his demons whereas daenerys is like a spoiled child kind of and and really but the, and the irony there is that she was least spoiled than john was john was raised as a kid by a bunch by a noble family probably the most powerful in the north and he was treated like a, a a royal person in the sense that you know even when he fights that guy in the north you know you've been taught by a man with a sword how to stand and fight properly and all that like he's been kind of raised like uh by a royal household as kind of royalty so even if he was seen as a bastard and Danny on the other Danny on the other hand should have had that treatment but didn't and you can still see how the way that she was raised and the way that he was raised are kind of complete opposites to each other so it's not even necessarily about spoiled rich kids versus you know blue collar types cuz Danny is way more of the hard working type that has gone through a lot of shit Whereas John has barely had to go through anything. And John really hasn't gone through a lot. I mean, yeah, he's gone north of the wall and dealt with some of that stuff. But yeah, compared to Danny, he hasn't gone through a whole lot of shit. Uh, hasn't been raped. <laughs> so, yeah. Got that he going. He died. Man. Yeah, he was killed. It's true. <laughs> um, yeah. True. It is true. Anyway, I know you got to get going. I got to order some Chinese food, do some All laundry. Right. All right. So you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the night terror. Also on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and you should. I'm trying to post more shit on Facebook. I think most shit is stupid, but I'm going to just start sharing and posting stupid shit and, you know, maybe get some engagement. So I also do really good memes. Quality over quantity, as far as that goes. Type of person to like them. Uh, yeah, you have to have an IQ above, you know, eighty. It's not really on the nose like most of the shit that gets fifty thousand upvotes on Reddit. Like, let's find yeah. one. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> bound to be one right towards the top. Let's see what is it. Hold on. Okay, yeah, it's a bunch of the night's watch, and it says, last one to finish watching, burn the rest of us. 13.7 upvotes. 13.7 thousand upvotes. <laughs> Meanwhile, I edited all of that whole fucking dragon burning scene to Hell's Bells. 48. 48 upvotes. Trust me. Popular shit is usually the worst shit. Just saying. Yeah, that's if you want popularity, you know? I mean, that movie shit. that fucking Jamie Lannister did about Greece that really sucked back in the day. It's just a picture of him from that movie. No text. The title is just leaked footage of Jamie Lannister arising from the ruins of the Red Keep and becoming a Dothraki. 
So 9,300 like, 9, upvotes. My buddy made this. I don't care what happens tonight. This is my cannon, and it's Aryan instead of the horse. It's fucking Podrick. Not on a Podrick, motorcycle. But, yeah. But what's his nuts hot on pie. a motorcycle? Hot pie. Like, why the fuck do you give a shit about hot pie? It's a fat little baker. He should be dead. Okay? <laughs> he should be dead in this show. Well, if it was for him, Arya would have never gone north. And the Night King would have lived. See, right. see, how that, see how that works? Boom. House Hot Pie. House Hot Pie. Uh, All right. You can find yeah, Gabbler Danny, somewhere Danny at some time. We'd have a better ending for some of these people. <laughs> Gabbler is not streaming anymore. He said he wants to just be the hype man for my no, stream. I'm going to stream, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to be specifically a My Summer Car streamer. I'm coming at these people that think they're better at this game. Like, I'm already... 10 times better than they are. And, and you know, I mean, come on. Look at me. I mean, you can't because I don't do webcam, but come on. <laughs> Look at it, okay? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm coming after these people. So <laughs> when I play games with uh, the Night Terror, I'm going to be, uh, you know, not really streaming it. Well, I'll probably stream, you know, when he's playing some game, I'll probably stream some other game. Who fucking knows? Who knows what the future holds, you know? Yeah, we could all be dead tomorrow. We could all be dead in 2029 when Apophis comes within the margin of error and destroys the planet. <laughs> I bet you've been As all the about scientists that. are like, this is a great opportunity to learn more about <laughs> asteroids. Yeah, you're going to get a real close fucking look when it's in your fucking face! <laughs> These people that are like, how does this dragon not run out of fire? Uh, it's fucking magic! How is there a dragon? That's the real it's question. It's a dragon, you fucking lunatic. Anyway, that's it for the podcast this week. Watch Game of Thrones. Let us know what you think. Give us an upvote or something. Help yeah. get us famous, because, I mean, we're really or good else. at being humble, and we totally deserve it. Or <laughs> else. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Please. Piss off.